Welcome back, motherfuckers. Welcome to Twisted With Us. In the name of sucking an album's dick to get your balls tickled by its stubble, this is our ongoing examination of Twisted. I'm Aaron. And I'm Eric. And today we're reviewing Twisted's 1998 album, Most Tasteless, the original version. Wow. I've been waiting to hear you say that for, I feel like, years. How long have you been waiting to hear me go, most, most tasteless, tasteless, to give you the remix? Like 30 seconds. Cool. The original version. There you go. <laughs> Finished it out for you. <laughs> um, What is up, everybody? I feel like it has been so, 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 so long. Welcome back to uh, Twisted With Us, an ICP With We podcast. Uh, I am here with, you know, somebody that I, I like talking to. And then I'm here with somebody that I just absolutely love talking to. And I'm going to let them dwell on which one they are for a very long time. Eric, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm well, and I know exactly which one is which. And it's fine. I know, I know my place. I love talking to both of you. And honestly, it's been so long. And by the way, the other person we're talking to, let's go and just bring him in on let's this combo. Uh, the other person we're talking to is Robbie Whoa. from Twisted History. That's me. That is you. That's you. I was thinking you were going to say someone you like talking to and someone you hate talking to. <laughs> but you got to do it because he knows his shit. Um, and that person clearly is you because you added because he knows his shit i was gonna say right i'm the one that you hate talking to but i don't know no i'm willing to take the hate any day i will be more than happy to be the person that y'all want to talk to the least on this podcast i will wow. bear that burden for i want to talk to both of you and i hope both of you enjoy talking to me because we're about to talk about something that I think uh, I, I know at least two of us are going to enjoy talking about. And we'll see if the third does by the end. And we the, shall reason, see. the reason Robbie's here is because Robbie is Twisted History and we are headed into a brand new, I was going to say new season, but it's more than a new season. It's a, a rebranding of our show. We over 120 episodes reviewed as far as I can tell, all of the ICP content we could find that isn't Twisted related, and we're about to get into that stuff. So we will continue listening to Twisted in that capacity. But we are we are headed into the era of Twisted with us. And who better to help us usher in this new era officially than Robbie? So, Robbie, thank you for being here. Oh, Thanks. I thought you said Usher was going to be here. That's on the next episode. Oh, okay, okay. Ooh. I'm lying. It's Robbie. Issue with Usher. Yeah. Fuck. <laughs> it's still Robbie. Yeah. You know, Which I'm really going to start hating talking to Robbie if you keep like 
teasing that I'm going to be talking to Usher and then just putting Robbie in front of my face. Listen, That's if we goal, can get baby. Usher, if we can get Usher on an episode, I think we should. Usher, okay, I know buddy. you're listening. Yeah. To this. Okay. Okay. I'll All right. A couple uh, I, I want to give a little more context, but before we do that, Robbie, tell us a bit about you for anybody that for some reason has never listened to one of our episodes before. Tell us about you. Tell us about Twisted History. Tell us where people can find you. Okay. Um, you can find me at Northeast Street, Portland, Oregon, 970. That's right, baby. It's Twisted Season, and I'm not just giving my phone number. I'm giving my physical address. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I love that. That definitely isn't going to show up on another Fuckface album down the line. <laughs> Fingers crossed, baby. Um, You're going to be see. our complaint department. <laughs> <laughs> send all letters. If you are mad that this podcast changed over to a Twisted thing, send all letters <laughs> directly to my home. Yep, it's your fault. <laughs> no anthrax, no knives. Let's see. So I am Robbie. I have since I'd say mid 2019 run an Instagram account called at Twisted History, where I kind of go through the history of the group Twisted, starting from House of Crazies and moving forward. Uh, I've recently rebooted it because I'm so excited for your podcast to be branding as, you know, a Twisted podcast. So I'm starting from the top. So anyone who wants to get in on the ground floor, uh, it's the second ground floor starting now. Can I, I tell also, you, I've been seeing yeah. the posts all over my personal Instagram page and the podcast Instagram page. And hell yeah, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very happy that you're back because it's, it's been helping me a lot. I like it. I'm happy to be here. Uh, if I'm, you know, being fully honest, I got totally bored of doing it. And, uh, this podcast has revitalized that and it's really easy to just uh kind of punch up stuff i already wrote three years ago so yeah feels good Heard to be that. home yeah i mean history only happens once uh i mean so if you've already told it retelling history is the only way to go and i mean we're going to be telling it for the first time but we'll be using you as a resource to help make sure we are telling the accurate story or at least as accurate as we all know it to be and then I will do my best to be accurate. And then I will get a lot of comments from people that know just a little bit more than me and want me to know that. See, so that's, that's the beauty, be though, good. right? That's the yeah. beauty of this is the more people we reach with this that have answers or were close to it or knew something or heard something, the more history we can put together. Because unlike ICP, there is just not a ton of information out there. I mean, if, if for anybody that didn't listen last season, we reviewed all the House of Crazies releases. And, well, the ones that include Paul and Jamie. So I don't I don't. Right. Correct. We we did not review the night they came home. That's a separate thing. Maybe we'll do it as a bonus episode at some point. That we'll yeah. could be a fun bonus. But, yeah, it's not really yeah. relevant to the right. core theme right. of what we do. But trying to track down information about House of Crazies was a challenge. And what's out there is a lot of hearsay and you, you're hearing multiple different things about the same topic. And oddly, Twisted seems to be the same way. Uh, there is a point where I think they get lumped in with ICP, so you do see some of their history, but there's so much more documentation about ICP, even from the very beginning. So I, I love that in cooperation with you, we will help to piece together and put together a more concise and and complete history of this group and their contributions to the music. 
which is honestly why I started it because I, I think on my third deep dive, uh, like looking at old real juggalos archives and stuff like that, mm-hmm. realized like, Hey, this is frustrating. And there's so much easy access to ICP information. Why don't I make a resource for it? So honestly, you're just helping a goal I had three years ago. So I appreciate it. Cool. Okay. So before we really jump into our review, there's something I want to talk about. Oh, let's and talk. I know that for 120 episodes or most of those 120 episodes, there's a handful, probably 10 or 15 that aren't fully ICP focused. Right. But we've been an ICP podcast and there will inevitably be some people who do not like the fact that we just rebranded to a twisted podcast. We are still the same show. We still have the same goal. And this, I think, has been coming for a long time. If you remember back in October of 2020, episode 24, Aaron and I listened to a selection of twisted songs that were released during ICP's first deck era. Aaron, I'm sure you remember this. Probably not very well, but I'm sure you remember doing it. I don't remember the tracks, but I remember doing it. Yes. Okay. So basically what happened was as we got to the end of season one and reviewed the entire first deck era of ICP, I said Twisted was a really big part of what was going on at this point. And although we've referenced them or heard songs with some features, we haven't sat down and reviewed one of their albums. I'm going to select 17 songs that were released during that same first deck era. So that would have been Twisted's first seven or eight ish releases, counting things like Cryptic Collection and EPs and things like that. Four of the songs that I picked were from the album we're reviewing today. By the way, I'm super glad we didn't go with the name I Pity Twisted Your Nipples with We for this show. <laughs> oh, why? Even back then, though, we talked about doing a Twisted podcast. And last season, we really uh, we we planned to go fully into Twisted last season, but we got the sense that there was still more story to tell. There was still more music to talk about related to ICP and that people we're craving a little more of an easy transition instead of a, a hard cut to twisted. I'm glad we did it. I think we did a lot of fun, cool stuff last season. We were able to connect with people. I'm glad we talked about all the house of crazies albums because it's got me stoked to go into this season. And we did those episodes under the twisted with us banner, but this is the first official. I think to me, it feels like this is the first official twisted with us episode, right? After doing five seasons of ICP with Wee, it seems like this is a very natural progression. Not only was Twisted a big part of ICP and the psychopathic story and experience, but they've also, in the many incarnations of their group and individuals, I think have been a driving force in horrorcore and underground hip hop and more recently, the rock scene as well for almost 30 years. And I think we felt and have felt, and a lot of people that we've talked to feel that understanding Twisted will help us to understand both ICP and the musical scene that they came from. Uh, I mean, we've, we've come to learn that Twisted didn't just show up in 1998 out of nowhere. This two kids that you know, ICP picked up off the street and said, here, do the thing that we're doing. House of Crazies was around 
almost as long as ICP in the form that we know them have been around. So this is not a, a new thing. They were part of building that scene. Now, like I said, we thought last season was going to go full twisted. We didn't. This season, we are. We did last season. We did story time. Last season, we did ICP songs we missed. This season, we are still going to do a couple seasons of ICP songs we still missed. I think at this point, we will have exhausted all of the stuff we didn't hear, at least the stuff that people know about. Uh, and if ICP drops a new album, we are going to stop in our tracks. And the next episode we do will be a review episode of that ICP album. So yeah, we're not going right. to ignore ICP. And that's not just for the obvious upcoming EP. That is like for the rest of the the podcast right forever two as years from as, now when yeah. they release the fifth joker's card of the second deck the sixth we'll be on the sixth, sixth joker's card of the yeah. second deck yeah we'll stop in our tracks in our yep. dirty little tracks the dirtiest the dirtiest but yeah aside from that season six and seven are going to be fully dedicated to reviewing twisted albums season six will be the psychopathic years and season seven will be post psychopathic years and when we catch up to current from there we will review whatever new things ICP and Twisted are releasing, and who knows what happens after that. I think that might be the end of the show, or maybe it won't be. We'll figure it out then. But our plan with Twisted is to be just as thorough as we were with ICP, making sure we hit every Twisted release we can. And just as a reminder, we excluded a lot of tracks from ICP songs we missed that feature or are featuring Twisted. We told people... Do not you cannot suggest any songs that are on Twisted albums that feature ICP. So season six is really going to be our chance to listen to any remaining ICP features we haven't heard yet as well. So our ICP journey is is continuing through our examination of Twisted in many and pretty much every possible way. Oh, so, yeah. I, I was going to say, I mean, including multiple today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and way more on the next episode. You'll see. But mm. uh with that said, Robbie, oh, last yeah. season, we left off with House of Crazies breaking up in 1997, leading right. Paul and Jamie to reach out to Violent J about getting some support for a new project that they were working on. Uh, and we also talked about Brian's career, the ROC, post House mm -hmm. of Crazies. And I believe there are a few things that, that I mentioned in the history I told and the story that I received which was primarily from Behind the Paint, which is Violet J's book. I listened to the audiobook and I got even more context because he embellishes a bit. But I think that there are a few things that you felt maybe deserve some clarification, correction, or maybe even just a different perspective. So can you tell us about the dissolution of House of Crazies and the post House of Crazies project that Paul, Jamie, and Chris were working on and the formation of Twisted leading up to the release of Most Tasteless, which we're going to review today. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so to my understanding or the way it's been told uh, via podcast interviews and whatnot by the ROC himself um, and just various, you know, Twisted interviews over the years, House of Crazies obviously took a big hit when they dropped off of the uh, I believe it was the Malenko All in Your Face tour or something like that. And the the story there is that, you know, they were being worked to death, uh, according to various sources. 
and had, you know, they were doing laundry and running merch and all kinds of things like that for ICP and they weren't thrilled with it. And uh, the, the, the kind of the, the blame has always been put on Brian, uh, the ROC, for kind of having a bad time and wanting off the tour. I think it was probably a little bit more between the three of them than that, according to later interviews. It wasn't squarely on Brian's shoulders, but I think he was probably the least happy about it. Uh, so they drop off the tour, go home. They do, I think, one show, the October 97 show that I can't remember the name of now because I didn't uh, prepare. What, Seven o'clock mass. Was that the show? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's that's what there's they did two shows that year at the same venue, St. Andrew's Hall. Uh, and one of them was their last. And. Uh, and then I think the, they kind of had agreed to work on solo stuff and then kind of rejoin once that was out of their system. And I think what happened was Brian went and started a group called The House, H-O-W-S-E, with some, you know, other friends that weren't Jamie and Paul. And Jamie uh, went and started doing some work with his friend Chris, a.k.a. Uh, Psycho C from two crazy devils at that point right and then kind of roped paul into it who by all accounts was just doing nothing uh he says he was just gonna go back to some street shit in his words uh (laughs) and then jamie and chris started working on a, a project pulled paul in uh it was going to be called isi international superstars incorporated or infamous superstars incorporated it's kind of been both have been said and um Jamie was going to change his name from Mr. Bones to Jamie Madrox. Chris was going to go as Blaze the Butane Magician, I believe. <laughs> what? Okay, Ooh, so fun. most of what you've been saying jives uh-huh. with, I think, in some capacity, the story that I told and also the things that I've heard. I've never heard that element. Also, Aaron, just as a reminder, we we listened to a Two Crazy Devils song in our final House of Crazies episode. We did songs we missed, and uh, that's right. Yes, yeah. so we did we yeah, did yeah. listen to one of those songs. And Chris is well, Blaze the Butane, <laughs> whatever, but also eventually becomes Blaze. You dead homie. Yeah. So he, I guess, according to this was either he did two interviews around the time of the like 20 year anniversary of his first album, One Less G in the Hood. And he talked about how he, um, based on comic books and things like that, wanted to be a character that I guess talks about fire a lot or something. Oh, in retrospect, yeah. since we've not, you know, since we've had so much time with him not doing that, it sounds crazy, but you know, who knows? Maybe it was fire. Was, uh, was ISI, was it meant to be superhero or comic book focused? I I think Jay sort of references something related to that, which could explain why Jamie was Jamie Madrox, which is right. a, an X-Men character. Yeah, I think that is kind of what the goal was initially, maybe, because okay. I think uh, Blaze has said that the, the Blaze, the Butane Magician character was supposed to be sort of a comic book fire thrower guy or something. So I, I do think there was a heavy comic book element. There like super sure. villains before super villains. <clears throat> right. Like uh, super rappers, super stars incorporated. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, they pulled Paul into the mix. They're all working on stuff together. Then violent J from all accounts or from ROC's account called the ROC and was just, Hey, what's going on with the group? Are you guys, you know, doing good? ROC said they were working on solo stuff, but they were, you know, 
going to get back together at some point in the not so distant future. Jay says, cool, cool. You know, yeah, you guys are great as a group. Um, can I get the number for, you know, Jamie, Paul, those guys? ROC gave Jay their phone numbers. And then by his account, never spoke to any of them again for like five years. So presumably Jay took that number, called Jamie, got the rundown on the ISI project. They got him a tape. He loved the tape, thought it was amazing. I think it had a few of the songs we're going to hear today on it. It was like and three songs from this album, right? We're on that tape. Yeah. 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 And, 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 and different versions of, of one of them, at least, uh, that had a blaze feature that's not on this album, but, um, Jay loved the tape, thought it was, you know, crazy good compared to what they had been doing and wanted to sign them with some, uh, stipulations. Didn't want blaze the butane magician. Wanted that guy out of here. Uh, probably the name. I wonder honestly. why. <laughs> it's like, I, it's, it's pretty strange, good, but I don't know about this butane thing. Even though they didn't bring Blaze over, Blaze remained in the mix. Like he did roadie stuff for them and things, right? Right. So, so Jay basically had said, "Hey, I know you guys from you know the tour we did and stuff. I'm familiar with you, and you guys have a good dynamic. Get this guy out of here. We don't want him." Just let's do it as a duo. And this name is terrible. International Superstars yes. Incorporated. Uh, scrap that. Let's come up with something else. They came up with Twisted. Uh, Misery claims he came up with the name. Jay, by most accounts, came up with it. But it was definitely, you know, in a, a brainstorming session. And uh, and yeah, they, they, they went from there. So this is slightly different from the story that is told in Behind the Paint at least in the audiobook version. I know, again, Jay changes some things from the the written version to the audiobook version. And it definitely, he made it kind of sound like Jamie and Paul reached out to him to ask for help versus he reached out to them to see what was up. And it might have been either way. He might have called them and they would have been like, well, we are working on a thing. You know, right. can, can, you, can you do anything to help us out? Totally. So, yeah, I don't think he was necessarily calling to poach them or anything like you guys got any tapes, you know, but yeah. I think he probably called to see what was up in general. And they said we were working on this thing and, you know, one thing led to another. But uh, but yeah. And then that led to Twisted signing with the ICP, getting on the road almost immediately. I think their first shows as Twisted were January 98. Um, so, you know, the group is always sort of uh, quoted as starting in 97, but it was like it late, late 97 because... The last House of Crazy show was late October, and then for the ISI stuff to be having been worked on, and then them to sign and become Twisted, it had to have been like December of 97 or something like that. So they you know, go on the road with ICP as of January 98, do some shows, and then eventually August put out this record. Nice. And it's from what I understand, they struggled with branding or an identity for the group and tried multiple different things to see what would what would work what people liked they kind of used the shows as as tests for okay let's put you in different costumes or masks or face paint or things like that let's you know try putting serial killers in masks up on stage with you like that all was going on during this time as well right yeah so the, their first look on stage they were wearing like skeleton masks and they had uh kind of druid or uh whatever the word guys with robes and and like and, monks and, yeah they had like hmm. uh hooded robes and torches 
and they would stand on either side of the stage. There were two of them and they would, you know, do their rapid thing with uh, jackets and um, like winter jackets and masks. And then that sort of quickly transitioned into just plain faces and hoodies with uh, blue camo shorts, mm-hmm. which was kind of their look for this whole period with the original Most Tasteless album. Yeah. I feel like when I saw them in, uh, it was October of 98, That's that was what they were doing. Yeah, that would have been probably the tail end of that. And maybe right before they went to the more spider leg braids and black stuff around their eyes, baby yeah. powder on their faces, which would yeah. have been probably early 99. So, yeah, you probably caught the very, very end of the hoodies and camo shorts era. Yes, which, for sure. Yeah, is is the you know original most tasteless look. Nice. All right. So that gets us up to the release of Most Tasteless. Yeah. I mean, and so this is a, an interesting album production wise. I don't know if you want to go straight into that, but it was recorded at mostly at the disc in Detroit by Twisted and Scott Summers. Scott Sumner. Uh, I was going to talk about that because we yeah. have discussed Scott Sumner previously on this show because he worked on something related to ICP and they mistakenly listed him in the in the album notes as Scott Summer. Right. Which is where that's why it's confusing what his name actually is. I think Twisted got it right just because it was later, I guess. Yeah. Sumner is definitely mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But yeah, I think basically they had you know worked with the RC obviously on production for so long. And then I don't know a ton about Scott Sumner, but I know I think he just worked at the disc. And they had gotten along. I think Twisted basically brought him music ideas, you know, like uh, sample this, whatever, whatever. And then they kind of worked on it as a collaborative trio. I, I don't know why that ended after this album or where he went or, you know, obviously they, they have a, a sort of main producer they work with in the next couple of years. But mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what happens to Scott Sumner after this or why they didn't continue with him because the production on this record is great. Yeah. If you look at, his production history. Scott Sumner worked on a lot of uh, notable Detroit artists albums, uh, including a lot of like George Clinton and Parliament stuff. Mm. So my suspicion is he had probably been around for a minute and he really brings an interesting sound to to the tracks on this album. But then some of the production is Mike Clark. So there are four tracks that are credited to Mike Clark, but I suspect the smoke break tracks are his as well. Probably. I'm not 100 percent sure. I probably should pull up production notes, but uh, yeah, that makes sense because it is. Well, we'll get we'll get to who's on the mic on that one. Yeah. And one one song is credited to the ROC, which is murder, 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 which we've already reviewed previously. The version with the ROC. Is interesting because I think Aaron might be the only person historically to have uh, heard that version first. first. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, so uh, low key, he heard the version on Most Tasteless first because in episode 24, when I let him listen to songs. But by the time he had enough context and understanding of the music to understand what the hell these songs were, I think for all intents and purposes, he has heard that version first yeah which yeah. rare take yeah so here's some album i love being rare baby you are the rarest <laughs> you're so rare you're bloody does that work is that a thing i think so you know yeah. what hey c- cut that out because you can put that in the line okay yeah that's good, <laughs> that's good. 
So, Robbie, I see multiple release dates for this album. Spotify says November 25th, 1997, which is clearly not right. Wikipedia, yeah. yeah, Wikipedia says August 4th of 98, which I believe is right. But Mm -hmm. Google says August 25th of 98. So where do you know where the other dates are coming from? I think August 4th is correct. It was definitely released by Psychopathic Records. What is your take on the dates? So the December 97 date, I do not have a clue where that comes from. I assume maybe that's when they started work on it or that's when they signed to Psychopathic or something. But uh, I've I've, this is, again, uh, one of the reasons I started the Twisted History page, because if you go to Wikipedia and stuff like that, there's so much false information out there. Yeah. But yeah, there's no chance it was December 97. That's a terrible uh, trash date. I believe it is August of 98. I'm looking at the flyer right now. August 4th, yeah. The okay. the, the official flyer that I've ever seen. And there was a, a release party August 2nd and the in-store, you know, midnight of August 3rd. So, yeah, definitely August 4th, 1998. Okay. The August 25th, I have no idea where that came from. Just a random date that somebody put in there probably. I don't know. Absolutely. Um, I, you know, usually when I'm doing the album info, I like to give a little bit of context for people that have been listening or want to understand where this fits into the timeline. On the ICP timeline, this album released about 13 months after the great Malenko had released and about two weeks before ICP dropped Forgotten Freshness 1 and 2. And for perspective, at this point, Jamie was 22 and Paul was 25. And even though this is the first Twisted album... We already know that they had done eight House of Crazy group and solo albums over that previous five years. So they might have seemed like fresh new kids on the block, but they really were not. And that's kind of cool. Most right, tasteless, this freshman release had a lot of experience behind right, it. Exactly. Yeah. This this freshman release was really like uh you know, postgraduate type stuff, but <laughs> college freshmen, but they've been through high school. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, but they took like AP courses. So they're really going into college as like a technically a sophomore, you know, that's it. They had some credits already True. For, yeah. for college. Yeah. 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 Uh, like a summer thing. Most tasteless. <laughs> and I, I, this is another thing I'd love to get some clarification on. Allegedly released with two different covers, which we're going to look at below. One with a two-headed fetus and one with just Paul and Jamie on the cover, the one that we generally see. My suspicion is the only one that ever actually released at retail, at least in 1998, was the one with Paul and Jamie on the cover. Uh, The story that I've always heard is the fetus image was too graphic for retail, so they switched the art to the cover that we normally see. I don't think that any were actually produced with the fetus cover. Do you know if that's true? Yeah, that's, I mean, people say, oh, I heard it, it was in Europe or something, but there, there was never any produced with that cover because if there was, they would have been seen at this point. And there's never, I mean, they redid some, I think in like 02 and then maybe again in like 2013 or so once they were on their own. But, uh, yep, yep. but, but yeah, there was never an initial run of those fetus covers. And it was, it's, unclear why those weren't made i know that was the original mock-up uh it was either you know too graphic quote unquote is the thing or it was just an image they stole from the x-files so maybe there was uh, ah. some some legal issues with that uh but either way yeah that album cover has long been you know urban legend that it would came out yeah but it did absolutely did not 
up to their old house of crazies tricks, stealing some sci-fi images and stuff from something else. <laughs> yeah. Jamie just making collages. <laughs> yeah. So a year after this album came out, a national version was released with a vastly different track listing. So that suggests to me that the original version, the one we're talking about today, was not released nationally. However, I'm curious to know if you know what the actual distribution for this album was. I lived in Pittsburgh at the time, so two states and four-ish hours from Detroit, and I definitely had this album. Now, this was also at a time, even though it was early on, but when file sharing was starting to happen, people were trading stuff over the internet, so there was availability for things. Where was this album actually released? Where was it available? I mean, I think it was definitely available in you know Detroit and Michigan, wherever ICP had a presence. But I think it was sort of just available wherever a small independent you know rap label at the time could get distribution. So I'm mm-hmm. sure it trickled out across the country to some extent, but not like right on a huge level. Just you know, as as much as anyone who probably was stalking. Riddlebox, Ringmaster, stuff like that was also probably stalking this, but I don't think it was like pushed in a big way nationally. Yeah. Okay. So it was probably available to people that wanted to find it. And then later on, they were like, hey, let's get a a big label behind the distribution and get this in front of everybody. Yeah. I think, I don't know if it was part of the deal when ICP signed with Island that they would also sign on for distribution of their psychopathic label or if that was maybe they they thought that the Twisted album was doing well and ICP got in their ear and yeah. got them to sign them as well because obviously they didn't you know sign Misery or anything like that so right um, or Blaze even down the line but yeah so um I think I mean there's like less than a year that this was just a local release and then they pulled this version from shelves and for I mean I don't think I heard this original version of the album or had access to it for a couple of years after I got into twisted because it was just, it was a rarity at the time. So, um, Mm. yeah, so this was, I mean, this was the available version for less than one year. So I can get into this later when we get into our overall thoughts, but for me, this album was very much like the original release of the great Malenko, where when I listen, even 20 some years later, whatever it is now, when I listen to the three songs that were added for the Island release, those songs still feel like, oh, these are new. These don't belong here. When I listen to the national version of most tasteless, I'm still like, this is missing songs and it's got weird stuff added to it. Like this was the one that I listened to and knew really well. So <laughs> and I'm in the opposite boat yeah. in that I, you know, I got the, the national release, obviously, because I lived in Portland, Oregon and, and we weren't getting, you know, obscure psychopathic record stuff out here. But uh, in the years to come, I've completely like, uh, you know, just gone back to this one so much that it does feel exactly the same way. The the national release feels like a compilation where this feels like an album. And maybe that is to be safe for you know, yeah. overall thoughts. But well, yeah, this is to me. This is the version. I've got to say, I'm I'm super happy that Aaron is hearing them in this order. Uh, I think this is maybe it's just because this is the way I grew up. But this is the way I think <laughs> you should listen to them in this order. That's that's the album info, though. That's that's everything we've got. I think. I think we're ready to get into it. Ready to get into the the nitty gritty. The nittiest and grittiest. Perfect. Uh, the nitty gritty. Mm-hmm. 
Um, well, perfect. It's not. Well, I mean, we got to start off obviously with talking about the album cover, let's and do it. we have multiple to talk about. We do on this one. Uh, so let's first start off with the original 1998 psychopathic releases. First off, being the CD. This is the image that everybody knows. This is the image that uh, our podcast thumbnail this season is based off of. Yep. I mean, this there, this is an iconic image. I mean, I feel like this was a very familiar album cover to me, even the first time I put it on earlier this week. Mm -hmm. But again, I, that's just because it looks like our thumbnail, but uh, (laughs) you got Jamie and Paul uh, in the hoodies. Uh, Whited out eyes looks pretty cool. Twisted logo in like this red flame. And you got this sort of cool blue background. This looks awesome. I actually really enjoy this this cover. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's an interesting cover. I think this cover does something important that when you first look at it, you don't realize. But when you think about it, it, it's there. This establishes Twisted as a very different entity from ICP by putting them on the cover with no makeup. Those lines are going to start to blur down the line after this album. But I think there's a point where people commonly associate the two groups and at times just assuming that they are one and the same. But at this point, this cover was very humanizing for them, grounding them in reality, unlike ICP with makeup or Joker's card covers. This, I think, adds to a sort of deep and scary aspect when you listen to a song like murder 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 and you see two normal human faces on the cover of the album that's scarier than a clown character or a cartoon character talking about something scary it it differentiated the two to me and i think that's really cool um this is a classic cover there's a reason yeah. I chose to do a rip of this cover for our, our podcast artwork. Uh, I think the fetus is awesome, but I love this. Oh, no, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that and no, no shade to any of our other seasons artwork throughout the, the few years. But mm. I fucking love this artwork. <laughs> like, I, like this just looks it looks so cool. Uh, I wish this I don't even like I have a lot of experience of like makeup twisted. But just looking at this makes me want to go back in time and just say, hey, just stick with this because this is so fucking cool and it's individual and it's very different from ICP. You know what I mean? Because you're right. If I looked at this album and uh, the great Malenko or I I guess let's say if I look at this album and Forgotten Freshness one and two right next to each other, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to think, oh, well, Twist is just an offshoot of this like other already established group right you know right. uh so you're yeah. right it does a great job of doing that yeah robbie and to thoughts? touch on that i was just gonna say to touch on like what, what you were mentioning i do kind of wish they had stuck with this or it stuck with some kind of no makeup thing i think i think they changed it up because it was part of the part of the branding and part of the like how do we you know because so something that people i don't know if they remember or know but according to all parties it took a while for twisted to hit you know, with 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 ICP's audience. And I think the makeup and, and kind of going more theatrical with stuff was part of the like push. Like maybe, you know, do a little of this, do a little of that. It'll get more eyes on you. And it, and it worked. But but looking right. back, like this image of just them with the hoodies is, is so much cooler to me than almost any image of them with makeup on. Um, so, you know, Robbie, you are the expert on Twisted History. 
But I think there is one place where I can say I I can speak from a from a perspective of authority, and it was having been there and seen them in '98 when they were still in this phase, and the second that curtain opened to reveal a twisted banner, that entire room lost their fucking shit. They definitely were already hitting with the audience way before the national release came out, way before they were wearing makeup. I think the truth of the matter is ICP and probably Island Records went to appeal to a national audience. We want you to capitalize on the success of ICP. We want Very to true, yeah. we want to associate that, you yeah. with them to get a wider audience. You've already got ICP's audience or we want we want this to be a national attention kind of thing and we want people to say oh icp is hot right now here's this other group that's similar that's my suspicion yeah and i think that makes a lot of sense because like you said you did go to that uh was it Hallow wicked 98 yep and they they got a huge response and i think yes. the people on that level who were maybe going to a Hallow wicked uh, were so clued in on what was going on with ICP sure. and psychopathic that they were, you know, primed for it. Um, and then, yeah, I think like me being far away, I wasn't aware of them until around the time of the, the, the reissue and the look definitely was captivating and, 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 and helped draw me in. So yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it worked, but, but, but yeah, this, this hoodie is in plain faces is very cool to me. Awesome. All right. So the, Apparently, they did a 2002 psychopathic re-release, which I have never seen this. And in 2002, I was definitely buying all the psychopathic shit still. I don't remember ever seeing this come out, but this is the original fetus cover. Yeah, I guess. I mean, same. Maybe it was like a gathering exclusive or something, because I was also buying everything in 2002 and had. I mean, this was not available to me by any means. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, but Aaron, this is the first time you're seeing the fetus cover. What are your thoughts on yeah. that? Uh, this one is, I mean, this one's cool as well. I, I 100% agree with you though. The hoodie cover. I mean, that is the superior cover. 100%. Yeah. I, I, I like the, uh, the twisted logo that they did in this sort of ice font. Yeah. I yeah. think it looks really cool. I think that like that, that on a shirt would look fucking sick. Honestly, the fetus on a shirt would look fucking sick too, but agreed. That's just my sensibilities of of fashion. Love this a is a cool shirt. cover. I think the <laughs> the fetus looks uh you know creepy and awesome, but I think when I think most tasteless, and I think when I think of uh some of the songs, because there are multiple songs on this one that I've heard in the past, right? Murder, murder, murder. Right. Uh first day out in ninety-eight. Eric right. showed me that one yep. uh in the car well, a long time ago. A bunch of like when I think of like that, all that twisted stuff, I just I think of the hoodies and I think of the the hoodie cover. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So after this, Magic Ninja did some re-releases. The question I have to ask, though, is on streaming services, the only version available of this album is the original version. The national release is not available. Magic Ninja re-released the original version of the album what's the what's going on with the rights there on this album does psychopathic only own the rights or i guess island owns the rights to the other one why are we seeing the original but we don't see the re-release anywhere so i'd say a couple things a basically every psychopathic 
release is on streaming just like you know from misery to anything they put out over the years so i think they would do that either way i i I know that twisted do not own the rights to the record because i know they got a few of their masters back from psychopathic uh after they left but not this one um which is why like they did a vinyl release at one point but the only way it was available was through a mystery box that once it arrived at your house it was most tasteless on vinyl oh um which was like a, a sneaky move and they did a similar thing where they pressed up CDs of the original version um, with different covers and stuff for like a VIP when they did a most tasteless tour in 2017. So yeah. they don't own it, but they did. Uh, they do sneak it out there here and there. As far as the reissue being on streaming, I think that's an island thing. I think they've said recently that they've been kind of in contact with island trying to figure out how to get that out there. Hmm. But I, I think I don't think that's a, um, a psychopathic or a twisted move to not have it out which is confusing because freak show is readily available which is also an island release so i'm not really sure why it's not out there but uh, yeah it's right now the only version you can really get a hold of is the original all right so now let's talk about the magic ninja release covers we've got three in a row here 2016 magic ninja did a tape re-release which is like a somewhat altered version of the fetus cover right which i think was just for fun hey we've got this kind of thing i i'm still again with the with the with who owns the rights thing i don't know how they sold this maybe it was a, like a one-off and they could do it I, I don't know but maybe a different cover it was okay this is well but it's yeah. released it's it's listed as a magic ninja release but nowhere on the tape does it say it it does say twistedshop.com, but there's no magic ninja <laughs> label branding on here i wonder if that's a uh sort of like a joe and joey records thing like if we get sued, I don't want them to come after the label. Maybe, yeah, because Magic Ninja was definitely in effect by 2016. So, oh, for sure. Yeah, the whole thing is weird. Yeah, there's not a logo on there. Um, but yeah, I think that was just because they wanted to get this cover out in some way. <laughs> they still liked it and it had been kind of become a little legend over the years since people rumored that it had come out in Europe or whatever. And they just popped it out. Um, also quick shout out to Mike of the Juggalo Judgment podcast for hooking me up with a copy of this version. Oh, nice. Ooh, nice. So a year later in 2017 for the 20th anniversary, uh, I believe for the tour, mostly mm-hmm. they, they did a CD with no label information on it. And then they did a, a vinyl release as well. Now the CD is weird because the cover features a, a photo of them from later, clearly not from when yeah. Most Tasteless was being released. Uh, this was definitely transitionary because they're not full face makeup. They've just kind of got some of the like dark around their eyes and the crew neck shirts and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. Do you like know the where these are from? Uh, yeah. So the, 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 the CD version, the 2017 CD came out exclusively, I think, if you bought VIP to the most tasteless anniversary tour they did a tour in late 2017 again not 20 years after the album came out i I don't know if they had seen the wikipedia date and just jumped on that or what but um they did a tour playing the album in entirety not front to back but kind of scattered you know in a way that made more sense for a live show Mm. and if you uh bought vip to that you got this in the mail along with other you know most tasteless era posters and stuff like that that's cool so it was more like a 20th anniversary of the formation of Twisted than it was about than the totally. release of the album. Yeah. Yeah. So and then 
the other the vinyl the vinyl is a very strange cover to me it looks like they've added the eye makeup in in like post like photoshop you and, yeah, and I, think, I think the priest things as well i think those are both yeah. photoshopped yes i think so Which too strange like because i, I you think mean they don't have out, priest robe hoodies <laughs> hooded <laughs> priest robes that's not a thing Maybe, you know, that's one of the, the looks they toyed with temporarily. But, yeah, I've never seen that outside of this image that came out around this time in 2017. So I don't know why they were like, let's let's really go with something that makes no sense at all. Uh, you know, one of the things is uh, it's like a, a gatefold album, it looks like, or there was a booklet in it. But they've got the um, Jason and Michael Myers characters inside. And I remember seeing them when I when I saw them one of the times mm-hmm. might have been that first time. Um, these two guys being on the sides of the stage, just sort of bobbing their heads and holding axes up in the air and stuff. Like thrusting the axes out to the crowd and yep. with the beat. Yeah. yeah. So this this uh, image that's in the vinyl that is it says serial killers and it's got the green kind of space. Is that the one you're looking at? Uh, so in the vinyl, there is a like a black and white, like full right. out image of the two so, of them. So that and the one. Uh, of the space one or oh, a yeah, double-sided poster right. that came with the vinyl. Okay. So it's cool. not actually the gatefold. It's um, it, oh, this, this was okay. an insert poster. Okay. Uh, actually, the, the other side of that, the one with them in space is actually kind of amazing. Oh, yeah. I like that one. That was, I think, uh, this is, I don't think the exact same mock-up. I think the lettering, the serial killers might be uh, in a different position or something. But uh, that was the original twisted poster that they sold back in 98, like when Psychopathic started pumping out twisted merch mm. uh who's in those costumes in this photo is it jay and shaggy i gotta think it is because it kind of looks psychopathic like uh, yeah i'm look looking at this now and the jason you know is a little rounder yeah uh i don't see the hands enough to to check tattoos or anything uh i think in some of the original photos it was jamie paul uh so it might have just been a splice of that honestly it could be could be yeah maybe I will say I'm not a huge fan of like graphic printed vinyl traditionally, mm-hmm. but uh, seeing the fetuses blown up on the on the vinyl like that is actually pretty. It looks pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And the vinyl came out in a few different colors. Uh, it's, yeah, it's see, really there's cool like a baby release. blue one that looks really nice. Yeah. It's right. like I said, it was only a thing that you could buy without knowing what you were buying. Like they never said, hey, wink, wink, wink. This is most cases on vinyl. It's just audio mystery box. Gotcha. And, uh, and then it sort of arrived and everyone was very stoked. But uh, that was the I only mean, I would be. Yeah, available. I would be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. All right. Well, I think uh, that concludes our overall thoughts on the covers. I think we all agree on which one is the best. Absolutely. The 20 year anniversary edition. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not. I will say, though, if I like if I in 1998 picked up this album listened to it and was like yeah this is really fucking cool and then never even like thought or touched twisted again and then 20 years later see the 20 year anniversary edition somewhere i'd be like what the fuck have they been up to <laughs> these guys became priests at some point <laughs> <laughs> they, they got or- ordained what the fuck it's still uh, just the same album <laughs> Awesome. Well, hey, it's I, I'm so excited. It's time to go track by track. Yeah. Listen, right. My thoughts on this have been highly anticipated to the, p- the fact where some people have even hopped in on my lives recently 
and asked me to give them sneak peeks of my thoughts on this album. And I have People kept it a wait. tight, tight lipped secret. Uh, well, I, we're going to finally get into it. I am on every edge of my seat. I'm bouncing around my seat to each edge. Well, so oh, okay. I was going to say, so you're on the perfect center of your, your <laughs> yes. hair. Uh, you so back on your seat. Yeah. Yes. I'm, I'm on. A, so you're just going to the first two edges. Uh, I'm uh, yeah, I'm on a stool. It's a round edge. Oh, so okay. technically oh, okay. I can, you know, I'm just moving around it. It's like one of those hula chairs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those yeah. classic hula chairs that yeah. everybody has. You're having a hard time doing your work at the desk. Yeah, have you ever seen, Aaron, have you seen the videos of the people on the hula chairs? I don't think I have. Oh, no. my God. I weirdly saw it, like, yesterday. I don't really? know why. Yeah, I just some saw video. it. Uh, recently i'm trying to think well, of what, knew, I, what i saw it on the universe knew you needed to speak <laughs> with some sort of authority on it i think on, uh, on it might have been you know what it was it was in a, a red letter media video recently okay same yeah oh, great. I saw as well. <laughs> the one i think it's the one where they were um putting their their factory sealed and graded nuki video yep. up for yep. sale okay this is all coming back to me yeah That's why we <laughs> yes, on the break. yes. Uh, there we go we got to the bottom of it well let, let's do it like this aaron we'll do our standard trade-off i'll 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 present a song you present a song robbie i want to put you third on each of these because aaron and i will say here's our thoughts and then you can come in behind and give context your thoughts corrections answer questions totally. does that sound good yeah, I, I have got such good notes here. Uh, one of them just says, this shit is so hard. So, yeah, I'll be great for context and the information <laughs> okay. that's missing. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, perfect. Let's start with track number one, track titled Twisted. Eric, yes. what are your thoughts? Uh, when this came out, I thought this track was so fucking awesome like the juxtaposition of that chill piano and the choral backing with like the screaming and chainsaws and stuff in the foreground i will say when i listen now what i mostly hear is clips from an audio library and i wish they had added <laughs> a little more uniqueness and a little more chaos to those foreground elements I got to say, this is still pretty fucking cool. It feels it feels a little like an afterthought now, like they were like, uh, hey, we need an intro. Mike, whip something up, you know. Um, right. But it's still it's still cool. This is up there with um, what it, like that that intro on. Is it the first Slipknot album or the second one that's kind of similar to this, like with the like glitchy screams and stuff and the, the feedback? It's five one five on the album, Iowa, like these both function similarly to me and i think it's a it's a cool thing to put at the top of the album but aaron what did you think okay i thought that this had a great production value although you're right i mean this does just sound like a clip a selection of clips from an audio library yeah um but i i love the singing and i love the juxtaposition of the singing and the, the screaming the gunshots i actually had that written down as well i like that it's not too long it tells you who these motherfuckers are it puts you in the right vibe you're in and out of there and then you're on to the next song and and ready to start jamming yeah absolutely robbie what are your thoughts yeah uh so to give the context i promised initially this is so fucking intro. hard Next. <laughs> <laughs> uh moving on <laughs> uh originally there was another intro with like a spoken thing from jamie uh that they scrapped and i think that made it to cryptic collection one so you'll hear that soon but uh this i think just kind of served more as like almost like a setting or like 
here's where we're dropping you in. There's beautiful music and chaos and murder. And uh, I like as a kid, I don't think I ever really understood what was happening. I still kind of don't. Uh, <laughs> but I think it works. It's like you hear the word twisted yelled. <laughs> you hear some nice piano. You hear some chainsaws. And you're like, all right, sure. This is maybe what's going on in their addled brains or something. Yeah. Yeah, it paints a picture. It sets a, a a stage for you. Yeah, you go. Hey, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna hear something, some pretty music and some violence. I guess pretty yeah. music and violence, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, speaking of pretty music and violence, let's head into track two. This one's called Secondhand Smoke. Aaron, what did you think of this track? Man, if it wasn't for this track, I'd have no clue that they smoked weed at all. You know, it's funny Just that kidding. you say they that. talk about it all the time. But uh, I don't feel like this is a song that is particularly focused on smoking weed. It, they really don't go hard on weed stuff in the song. And I assume. No, this is more like cigarette smoke is sort of the vibe I get from this one. Um, I also get the vibe that it's being used as a, a sort of a metaphor, right? They're they're talking about people out there right. talking about them and stuff. And they're like, go ahead and breathe in the secondhand smoke. You know what I mean? Like, like using it metaphorically for secondhand uh, gossip and people talking about them and stuff. I yeah, could be wrong yeah, yeah. That, but that's what I know. I mean, I, th- I think that that's not far. Off. Like, I think that you're not way off base by thinking that because there's a lot of very solid parallels to that yeah. in this song. I mean, you're right. Even the chorus, you have the, you know, in vogue for your mind and then breathe it in secondhand smoke, which by the way, this chorus is so catchy. I like ever since the first oh, time yeah. I listened to this song. I mean, this chorus has, has ran through my mind pretty frequently. I think this beat is super cool. I loved how the intro led right uh, mm-hmm. into the free your mind. And then boom, we're into verse one. Uh, uh, their ooh, flows were super yeah. solid. We got a great head trauma reference mm-hmm. uh, in here, which was cool. Um, and then I also think that uh, there's a Mr. Bones reference as well. Yeah, but yep. they're they're calling back to their times in HOK, but they're not, you know, dwelling on it. Uh, and they're they're pushing forward and they're really putting out their own sound. And honestly, even though this sounds very much like HOK, this sounds like them with all the fat trimmed off and up the production value. And that is what I love. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. I that to me, this song is fucking classic. And this beat rules that and Vogue sample is sick. There's so some good. rad lyrical work throughout this track. And, you know, there's another House of Crazies reference in there that you didn't mention. And Paul says, remember when I told you always believe that's a reference to side one of collector's edition 97. Remember, it was. Oh, always I believe didn't even catch that. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. But speaking of so fucking hard, I want to talk mm-hmm. about one specific series of lines in the shade is a sawed off double barrel pump looking for motherfuckers who want to jump because I got 13 bullets in my pocket. I'm a madman. My trigger finger turning suckers to sand. I was like, that's so that fucking is hard. hard. So hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, they, yeah, I love this. The fact that this is the first ever released twisted song basically mm-hmm. i mean there was like a sampler that had a different song on it you know but like you know first album first song I, this just comes out of the gate so hard yeah the chorus the beat like if you had been a house of crazies fan leading up to this i can't imagine pushing play on this for the first time and just being like oh my god these guys went 
somewhere else and and you know like brought it all the way like the production especially i mean if you'd been listening to like head trauma leading into this and then heard this album for the first time yeah like just it's so much more in line with with the hip-hop of the time and it just hits so much harder like roc is you know great and does what he does but this was just like a step in a whole fucking different direction oh yeah next level you know when i said with the fat trimmed off I was kind of pointing to ROC there because we always talk about how he was the weakest member of HOK, right? You know, he he's good. He He's a solid, solid MC uh, in and of himself. But I really think that Jamie and, and Paul just, they were meant to be just the two of them. I, yeah, that, I think that shows so well, so well here. I think, yeah. I think Brian was a huge influence on the style and sound of house of crazies but when you hear this it's kind of clear that he was also limiting them to that sound right right so yeah kind of freed them up yeah and i think i mean even you get some back and forth and you get them kind of bouncing into each other's verses and stuff on here which they never really did on house of crazies it was all very like you know one structure yeah yeah uh so i think the freedom to just be the two of them open them up so hard and it's obvious just immediately out the gate big agree big agree well let's go ahead and move on to track three oh. die motherfucker die yes so Eric, what are your thoughts my first thought is until i researched this i always thought the sample in the song was some version of it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing by duke ellington but apparently mm-hmm. it's from a song called spooky boogie by gentle giant from the 70s <laughs> But it, it definitely, to me, seems to interpolate. It don't mean a thing. It, it, that's that's really what I hear every time yeah. I listen to this song. But this beat slaps hard as fuck. Uh, it's like yeah. this shouldn't work as well as it does, but it's awesome. Oh, yeah. uh, and I will say, despite some outdated and somewhat confusing social political stances displayed in some of these lyrics, this <laughs> is another track that is an absolute classic. To elaborate on what I was just saying, I think it's strange to make a an exclusionary statement about the LGBTQ community, then immediately follow it up by saying that we need to burn the White House down because the president is prejudiced against us and we need to um, beat cops because they're racist and things like that. Very confusing. But again, I think a sign of the times because Mm -hmm. the attitudes, especially in rap around the LGBT community were really different at that time. So it was it, this is equally progressive and backward in some of the statements. But I, I do love that stuff about we need to burn the White House and piss in his face. I was like, OK, that's fucking hard. There's also in this a brain dead rap reference in this song. And that is another House of Crazies callback, which I thought was cool. But true, true, true. Aaron, there's actually I didn't I didn't call it out, but there's a brain dead rap uh, insert in one of the uh, yeah. I think it was actually in the psychopathic release, the CD release. Oh, nice. I didn't. Yeah. Know. Yeah. There's a parental advisory brain dead lyrics. It's kind yeah. of surrounded by pictures of them with mutated faces. Yeah. It's this song. I'm glad that you brought this up, Eric, because I had whiplash when I was when it goes from talking about LGBT, you know, LGBTQ people, uh, which, of course, the shitty sign of the times of when this re- was released and the culture around rap music at the time. Right. And then just snap my neck is immediately like pulling no punches with like politics and police and all that shit. And I thought that part was awesome. Uh, this beat 
holy shit i can't even like it is way too catchy it, it, yeah. you're right it shouldn't work but it absolutely does and i love it for that this song is awesome i, I really like this song simple chorus but very catchy uh, I, at this point i like i think twisted does something great with choruses that icp even at this time couldn't quite get the simplicity and the catchiness of a good hook does yeah. that make sense and i mean icp is hit or miss because i think early on they were much better with it and then lost mm-hmm. footing at some point here and there and have tried different things but I, I agree except for a couple places on this album they do a great job with it it's funny we were listening to this in the oh car, yeah yeah there's and uh christy was like go back to the beginning i want to hear this whole thing so we listened to it and we got to this song and she's like I wonder what my mom must have thought hearing this song, Die Motherfucker Die, <laughs> blasting from my room all the time. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's 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 funny. That's kind of awesome. Um, that is pretty, pretty dope. Yeah. Yeah. This uh, the chorus is super awesome. I mean, you're right. There are chorus, you know, later on we'll get to. And even then later on, we'll get to a song that heavily features ICP and they're they're supposed to do the choruses and it just it turns into skits <laughs> but <true>. uh, <laughs> it is what it is anyways uh this song is awesome i really liked it chorus was catchy uh their flows were dope yeah there's some some not great stuff in there that were sign of the that was just a sign of the times of rap music not just the lgbtq plus stuff but all the n words in the first verse as well there's like four or five of them yeah um, yeah you know it's but, funny you know, at first, that's something, you know, when you start hearing it in music, you're like, whoa, what are you doing there? I, I I just kind of accept that that was acceptable for them at the time. Yeah, They weren't doing it to be edgy. They weren't doing it to be racist or insensitive. I think very much in New York, Detroit, some of the, you know, big hip hop scenes, it was just acceptable to use that word uh, as a descriptor of the people that are part of that scene with you. Um, exactly. White, black, yeah. whatever. It's no, and I, can, I can see where I can see where people who listen to this originally and have grown, you know, grown up listening to this over the 23, 20. That's uh, way longer than that now, but 20 some odd years that it's been released. I can see yeah. where. You don't even flinch at that, right? Because I still do a little. When you I'm not listen to lie. it a little, I still do. Oh a yeah, you're right. But <laughs> when you exception. listen to it originally back then in '90s, you know '97, '98, whenever, like that's when, like you were all, you, you know, that was the culture at the time, and I'm sure that line uh, against you know LGBTQ people also didn't make a lot of people flinch back then either. Because you're right, that's just sign of the times. It is what it is. It happens. Yeah. That's what happens when you review music from the 90s. So what can I say? What's the one exception? Uh, Live performance in that uh, this is still, I mean, one of Twisted's most popular songs. They still do it live at almost every show and they skirt around it either by just not saying anything or saying people or whatever. Uh, for those, you know, like N N guys yeah. on the uh, on the East Coast and all these people, yeah. um, but it's always there's there's a moment where you go, okay, a how are they gonna skirt around it, and b the crowd's definitely gonna say it right, and uh, oh yeah, and boy do they, yeah, oh wow, they can't <sighs> wait. <laughs> I, but I'm glad to know that they definitely move away from that term. Um, mm-hmm. Because I th- I think as they got more popular, 
I think public attitude started to change toward that and that became less acceptable, you know? I yeah. think yeah. for yeah. underground rappers and stuff in that in that time, it was fine. But um, to the public, when you get into the early 2000s, uh, hearing a couple of white guys spouting off the N-word a lot doesn't feel so good. And so they, they very quickly changed stances there. And it's a thing like growing up, I just thought was sort of exclusive to them because I didn't hear a lot of other white rappers in that time period that would say that. But I mean, I guess I only really heard like Eminem. Yeah. Uh, but then going back and listening to people like Cage or even very early uh, LP, like it's it's in there. So yep. it is definitely like a, of the time thing more so than I realized. Yeah. I mean, even back then, you know, you'd hear Kid Rock say it and you probably hear him say it yeah. these days, too. But uh, <laughs> just in a different, different, different pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, right. I think a harder R these days, probably. For sure. Yeah. yeah, yeah he, uh, for he really likes pronunciating that R these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so any other thoughts on this track, Robbie? Uh, just to, to reiterate what you guys were saying, the little jaunty piano in this whole beat is, is just so good. Um, again, like for this to just be a one off collaboration with Scott Sumner. I mean, it's some of the most memorable production they've ever had. Mm-hmm. And uh this is one of a couple verses or a couple songs on this record where Jamie has a verse that I think could put him with any of the rappers of the time, uh, especially underground rappers like the smoke too many cigarettes and get high too much. That whole verse is just like rattling off ideas. And like you said, some of them are didn't age well, but uh, it's just such a cool verse. And I think like, they both hold their own on this album a lot, especially compared to House of Crazes. I think Paul's really stepped his game up, but I think Jamie, like there's this and, and one other one I'll point to specifically where he just has a verse that I'm like, this this guy's one of the best. I, I, I fully agree. I mean, and I'll talk about it in more of my overall thoughts, but I think it's hard not to look at this album and and Jamie, both of them really, as really some of the most talented lyricists and MCs of that time they just i don't think are mentioned up there next to the the big mainstream artists but probably should be or even the underground artists of the time yeah. I mean, like we mentioned i was just mentioning like cage and lp or even yeah. like all those kind of people mm-hmm. they are definitely of that ilk more than they were similar to icp i think but, so um but I think just because of their association and because of the way that they became popular, that just they don't get put in that conversation, but fully deserve to be. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, I feel that. Oh, I was going to say, uh, I just thought it was interesting. You were talking about how good they were at choruses, because looking back at your House of Crazy seasons, they didn't even really start using choruses until that remix, uh, remix and rewind collector's edition tape. That's true. Like right before yeah. this. So it seems like they were just like, you know what? Let's get into choruses. <laughs> and then they... <laughs> went for it it feels like a step toward legitimacy uh in the sense that making more structured songs with catchy hooks and things makes you a more mainstream accessible and i don't mean like on the radio but i mean to other people that are listening to more hardcore underground rap uh, but maybe not into the pick up the local tape from kids that are doing tiny shows and stuff like that. Uh, yes, there's some legitimacy to going, I'm going to reject the hook. I'm going to reject the verse chorus, verse chorus structure of a traditional song. But this is a step toward where they would continue going 
in becoming more accessible musically, even if lyrically and conceptually they were going to continue talking about things that were not mainstream accessible, if that makes sense. Totally. And I wonder how much of that had to do with doing a little bit of touring and playing live and going like, oh, we need a part where the people can, you know, especially, sure. especially this one, you know, you can say die, motherfucker, die back and forth right. over and over again. People can get into it. Or if Jamie was just sitting at home going like, oh, I'm listening to a lot of music and they've got these great hooks. Why am I not doing this? Or I don't know what it was, but they really went there finally. Yeah. Growth, growth musically and artistically, I think so. Yeah. And speaking of uh, things people can repeat to you in a live concert, let's get to this next track. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and uh, I assume they probably still do this. The very first time I saw them, they did it as well. And I definitely did not uh, reciprocate when they told me to say, hell yeah, I felt really awkward about it. But this Put next track down in the air. <laughs> yes, I, was, <laughs> I think I I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> track four, it's an interlude called smoke break the first of two go ahead and tell me your thoughts on this aaron i was immediately going to ask if this is a, like an interlude they do live yes they did i, I don't okay. do it as much now but they it, it's definitely it, i'm, it I'm it sure i'm sure it was it was a must-have at every show back in the, mm-hmm. this time yeah. though yeah. i'm sure yeah uh yeah no this they love talking about smoking it's cool beat it's you know short interlude It'd be fun to watch live, I guess. But at the same time, I also feel like, you know, to Eric's point, it did alienate some people. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean, fine. It, it felt weird to me at the time. Um, I didn't I, I didn't know how to respond because the thing is, I love these tracks musically. I really like the music. It's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But oh, whiny synth. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I, this sounds to me, it sounds like Jay on the hook. I think it is, too, but I've never had that confirmed. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like Paul or Jamie to me. Right. And it's funny because this was definitely before Jay smoked. So it's right. it's, it's odd yeah, to I was have gonna him say, on That there. timeline doesn't line up, no, does it? Huh? No, it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but I also I will say when you listen to this album and maybe it's because it feels organic and not forced. And maybe it's because this group was established with this personality versus changing to suddenly, oh, we're now all about weed. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily listen to this album if these two tracks and the the art on the back cover didn't have weed and stuff on it. I wouldn't listen to it and go, this is a weed focused album. Because it, it really isn't. There are mentions here and there, but it just sort of feels like things that organically are woven in. These two tracks. It's not I feel Cottonmouth like, Kings. No, no, no. This, <laughs> these two tracks, I think, are the thing that uh, kind of make it feel a little more weed focused. Uh, oh, I, yeah. If you pulled yeah. these two tracks out, I think uh, if you pulled these two tracks out, I feel like it, most of the other references is smoking might just get passed over. Right. And some of the references to smoking because of Paul are literally about smoking cigarettes because he's right, really yeah. into it. But um, they actually both yeah. were back then. They were like, rumor has it. Jamie was more of a smoker than Paul. Really? Interesting. Ooh, goddamn chimneys. Uh, now, I've yeah. heard that Jamie doesn't even smoke weed anymore. He does again. He he kind of goes in and out with with all things substance. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Well, what are your thoughts on smoke break? Um, yeah, I mean, basically what you guys said, there's not a ton to say about this track. Uh, this, the, the beat's really cool. I like the little, like, whiny synths, almost like a, you know, West Coast Dr. Dre yeah. kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, and, and to what you were saying about kind of establishing 
them as weed guys. I think not to get too much into overall thoughts territory, but I think that's what makes this work really well as a debut album is you go like, okay, they do this stuff. They got this stuff that eh, we got to remind you about weed. We got this. It just kind of sets the template of like, yeah. here's all the things that these guys are about. This is what this group is. And I think these tracks work well to establish that part. I also think this was probably because uh, 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 looking at old shows from even the early, like, you know, ICP tours, they opened from 97, 90 or not 97, 98. Um, they would do this song multiple times throughout the set, mm-hmm. which I think is why they have it twice on the album. Yep. Like Fago breaks. Uh, right. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I feel like they treated this like a Fago break. Yep. A hundred percent. That's how I felt it. Yes. Yeah. And if anything, I think at the time when they were opening shows before they even had an album, this was a snapping people into interaction or you know like a call and response thing so that they would pay yep. attention yeah right like hey uh, we're starting up yep. yeah and it, so it, like if you you're just outside listen to us inside of yeah. twisted <laughs> yeah yeah they didn't do it first but they would do it like third and then like fifth or something yep. so it'd be like mm, yeah um i know you just listened to us rap for a while and you didn't have a lot of you don't know these songs yeah, so you didn't now sing let's along have some fun. but yeah. yeah, now you can yell with us. Yeah, now here's something easy you can yell back at us. Even if yeah, you've exactly. never heard it, you know how to say hell yeah, let's do it. Right. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's great for that. It's it's funny in retrospect that it's on. I mean, it's not any different between this and the later Another Smoke Break. So right. it's very funny that it's just the same thing twice. But it does establish that, uh, you know, hey, these guys are into weed. And I Strap think in. that's maybe why it doesn't feel as awkward because – this is an establishing album. They're coming out of the gate with here's who we are. This is what what we do. And you go, OK, right. Twisted's into weed. What well, and especially especially like if if ICP at the time, you know, wasn't and not talking about this stuff, then this is just another way to differentiate yourself and make yourself a, Absolutely. you know, your own artist in your own right. group. And I so. wouldn't be shocked if there was some J influence here going let's help brand you guys, you know, Oh, you like smoking weed. Let's put these smoke break tracks on. Also, these are going to be great for live. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he had some influence there and maybe that's why his voice is on. He might've made these tracks with Mike and went, what do you guys think of these? You know, something. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah. Yeah. If that was like a full Bible J production. Yeah. I'm looking right now really quickly at the production. So this was track four. Mm -hmm. So it does say this was a Scott Sumner beat according to the, the, the credits. So interesting. Yeah. It's uh, but, if you look on Wikipedia, these two tracks have no credit to them. OK, so maybe maybe they went uncredited overall. Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to look at I'm having to look sideways on Discogs at the. Uh, yeah, it doesn't say anything specific. So I, I guess for all intents and purposes, Twisted and Scott Sumner. Yeah, yeah I guess without without yeah. knowing maybe uh, yeah. if we can ever get. Paul and Jamie on the show. Maybe they can tell us. Yeah. Fingers crossed. I'll pull yeah. some strings. <laughs> All right. Perfect. <laughs> okay. Um, let's move on then to the next track. Murder, murder, murder. Try saying that three times medium speed. Um, Just did. And I did it well. Eric, <laughs> what are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, you know, I talked about this. In our last House of Crazies episode, to me, this is the definitive version of this song. I love this track. It's one of my top favorite twisted tracks. It's one of my top favorite rap tracks. Uh, The beat and lyrical imagery just go so hard. And 
they definitely cross lines between being scary and being terrifying at what a, a human being is willing to do. And that's the thing. It's not mystical. It's not, you know, supernatural. This is two human beings talking about doing horrible things to other human beings. Uh, this shit was scary when it dropped. It's still scary to me now. And we get a Mr. Bones reference in it. Uh, I think this song functions so much better as a cohesive thought without the ROC's verse in it. And the ROC's verse is cool. It just doesn't align with these two verses. It waters the song down a little to me. So I love this track. I think this is perfect as it is. But uh, did your thoughts change at all, Aaron, hearing this version? This is the version of the track. Absolutely. And I'm not saying that just because this is the one on Spotify and the one I can easily listen to whenever the fuck I want. Yeah. But you're right. I mean, this is absolutely the ROC. I, I don't want to think that y'all to think that I shit on this guy. Great, great artist in his own right, but absolutely watered down this track. Yeah. This song is so fucking sick. The chorus is arguably more catchy than the fucking secondhand chorus, the secondhand smoke chorus. Fuck. I love this song. The first verse is burned into my brain. It is so just graphic and well-told yeah. and fucking amazing. I, yeah, this, this is easily one of the best twisted tracks. And I've only heard this in a few others. <laughs> so, so the first, the first, when we heard the, the full house of crazies version, you felt that the hook was jarring what do you how do you feel about it in this? Does it grow on you? I actually like that it ends on the hook the way it does going straight into first day out. I yeah, I'm I'm very happy that it ends on the the hook here. Uh I feel like I, the hook grew on me a lot. Absolutely. I feel it it's definitely grading in the House of Crazies version, but I think that when you trim out the fat of that version and you you make and you basically give this version it fits a lot better it works a lot better tonally as well nice robbie talk to us about uh, murder 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 yeah so again this is one that uh i didn't hear immediately because i got the the reissue and it wasn't on there spoiler for next week so i think i first heard this through psychopathics from outer space compilation and it was immediately a standout. I think something about this era with Jamie's voice when he does the kind of gruff, mm -hmm. uh, raspy mm. voice or whatever you want to call it, uh, both on the chorus and on the his verse. And even in Paul's verse, when he says, you know, time to pay, it just he just sounds so cool on here. And that the hook is so like it's a weird hook because it's long and like wrapped. Like it's not necessarily catchy, but it works really well. Yeah, I just I love just, the the uh, the the rhyme scheme that they that's in mm -hmm. there, and I I fucking love the the vocal patterns they do. Yeah, but I you're agree. right. Yeah, it's not it's not like an easy. It's more wrapped and more stylistic than a normal chorus would be. Non traditional. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not a sing along for sure, but it works really really well. It's really memorable. Like you said, the patterns like the uh, red rum in reverse, bodies in a hearse. Bodies in a like hearse. That's fucking sick. Yeah. It's very cool. And, uh, yeah, again, I mean, like just to reiterate, you guys said top all time twisted song, top all time horror core song. Like, yeah. and as a kid, I think everything that was murdery or violent kind of just felt the same to me, which was just like storytelling or whatever. And then like yeah. this one has gotten more sinister with time. I feel like, yeah. 
uh i feel like especially some of the like there's some some weird like sexual violence stuff yes. that, that comes up that like is as it's an adult scarier yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. as an adult it's 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 more unsettling than it was to me as a kid once you uh, yeah once you can fully understand some of the things it, the gravity of some of the yeah, things exactly. that are said in some of these songs that's when it gets way more scary yeah 100 yeah. percent. i you know aaron and i have talked about this before and we joked about making a song making fun of horrorcore artists that think being scary is saying i'm scary i'm really scary <laughs> yeah. uh because that that's a thing a lot of people do i think it's a fundamental misunderstanding of what scary is telling me you're scary is not nearly as scary as telling me a story or a series right. of events that are disturbing and upsetting and frightening and well, um it was actually a huge inspiration and Aaron, you won't be shocked to hear this behind the song sad man that Aaron and I recorded for the first fun mm -hmm. face album, uh, wanted to tell a really upsetting story that wasn't saying, look how scary we are. We're crazy. Uh, but did make you go, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? And that, that was like, I listened to this song and that's how I feel about it. Like, Hey, totally. you probably shouldn't say this stuff. This is not cool. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's nonchalant, like right. their, their delivery and stuff. And I don't know if it's, it's just uh, through, I don't know if it's intentional or if it's just because they're sort of still coming into their own with vocal performance and stuff like that. But a lot of the, 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 the darkest stuff they say on here comes off pretty like a shrug almost yeah, like it's remorseless detailing, yeah. cataloging oh, yeah. a series of events. Yeah. It's as uh, opposed to being invested in it. It's like listening in on somebody telling you a secret about something, but knowing that they're not telling you a secret. They're just talking like, like somebody telling you about the events of their day. And you're like, you should not be telling me this. Not only should <laughs> yeah. you have not done it, you should not be cool with talking about this to me, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, like, what? hold on. Why did you do it? And furthermore, why are you burning, burning me with this yeah, knowledge? Exactly. Like, why, why am I the one you're telling this to? Yeah, like an uncomfortable, like subtle brag. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's yeah, very yeah. dark. Yeah. No, it is, it is incredibly unsettling. Yeah. This, I mean, I don't want to say this should be the template for anybody that's trying to get into dark rap horrorcore. Like, if you're going to make that kind of stuff, you need to listen to this track and think about why it works before you yes. do anything. Yes. And I think so many people have done part of that over the years. Yeah. Uh, like I think people definitely listen to this track and try to replicate it. I've heard it a thousand times, but I don't think they get the why correct. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah. The, the why, the underlying why is a huge, huge thing. Yeah. That really drives the feelings of this song home. Yeah. And right. like, I don't even think horror core in general, right? I don't yeah. think ICP had done anything this dark at this point. So if you were, uh, I mean, maybe here and there, but not, uh, what am I trying to say? Twisted are so the, the antagonists of this, mm. you know, they're not talking about something that happened. They're talking about something they did, which I think makes it so much darker. And it really yeah. like embodied the like serial killers thing that they were going for when they first came out, which was new to the, to the scene. Right. The the other thing that they don't do, I think ICP definitely did dark songs. You had yeah. songs like 12 totally. or you had a song like um, Prom Queen, mm -hmm. extremely dark, but there was no message behind this. They weren't right. trying to tell you something about 
being a good person or not hurting other people or whatever. And that was one of the big differences. And it made it feel even darker. It was for the sake of the story and not for the sake of educating you or sending a message. Right. And there's I no mean, clear character. Verse right. one, right. you know, Monoxide's verse, verse one, like he's basically just murdering, ostensibly just murdering his wife or ex-wife and now he's back in his daughter's life again yeah or something mm-hmm. you know like that's where i get it. and that's not no talk about her being a shitty person no talk about daughter being unsafe with her or anything like yeah you're there's no moral right um it's this was just a, a violent domestic dispute J- and Jamie's that's verse all it was in this song is one of the most disturbing verses oh yeah in any song <laughs> of twisted songs that i've heard so. Yeah, does the dog die.com. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and uh there's stories about uh back when it was the House of Crazies version, Eminem, because Eminem and Paul were friendly at the time. And uh Eminem opened a couple House of Crazy shows, and there's talk of him having heard the original version and going like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that, basically. And uh, like in a friendly way. But then he does on the Slim Shady EP have a song called Murder, Murder. And uh, his multiple songs where basically the premise is him killing his wife yep. to get his daughter yeah. back. So uh, yeah. it's it's interesting that this was such a direct influence on something that was so popular. Yeah, it's it's very interesting that it was a, a place in time kind of thing, right? Like mm-hmm. <laughs> if they were if they, you know. If their tape had gotten in front of Dr. Dre before Eminem's, I wonder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there's so many what ifs in their, in their career yeah. and something like that where like, you know, if they had gone a different path or been spotted by a different whoever, like where would they be kind of thing? But yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. Great song. Classic. Great song. All right. Let's move on to what I think also is a, another great song. And this might be the one I'm most curious to hear Aaron's opinion on, uh, knowing that the original is absolutely one of his favorite ICP tracks. Track six is first day out <laughs> 98. Aaron, what are your thoughts? So I got to be honest. I was, I was not vibing with this at all. When you first showed this to me after we, uh, ate, what was that? Me Casina. Yeah, that was um, what a um, year and a half ago. Yeah, that was about a year and a half ago. Just, we went with Garrett, yeah. and uh, you got a bunch of onions. Yes, to eat. That was um, gross. <laughs> great vegan options, but uh, <laughs> I this this track has actually grown on me now. Revisiting it a year and a half later. Yeah. Um. That being said, I'm just saying this right now. The original version of First Day Out will always be my favorite version. But I I love the updated beat on this version. Um, I, I, it was something that I actually wasn't a huge fan of when we lis- I listened to it the first time in the car. Uh, I, I'm really a big fan of the beat. I'm not a huge fan of how they change the vocal patterns and, and um, not necessarily how they change the lyrics. I like a lot of the times, you know, a lot of where they're changing the lyrics. I like that. But where they change the vocal patterns themselves, I think I'm not a huge fan, but I think that's just because I have come to expect... Uh, the ICP version, just, you know, jamming Carnival of Carnage over and over and over again. I just I expect that that version. I expect to hear the words said in that pattern, you know? Yeah. That being said, I do like some of the lines they change. I love the moon miss line, you know, rather than Fago. They actually got a little little 
specific in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't like that they're going to eat at a KFC. <laughs> like some of the story, you know, like some of the story changes make sense, and some of them don't make sense. Oh, here it is. Um, I love how he changed the Violent J's kind of nifty line. That line always kind of pissed me off in the original version. Right. Um, I like the updated line on that. On that. And I then, like that uh, update too because it makes it sound like he slipped me a fifty. But then again, I'm kind of shifty. Okay, so maybe he didn't slip it to you. So and you maybe just took he didn't. It. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's cool. Yeah, and kind of nifty does not make sense in the context of <laughs> no. stealing money. I don't, I've never gotten that. Yeah. I but, think uh, most of the changes fix things and make more sense. The KFC one doesn't make much sense because they don't serve wine or steak or shrimp. Or soup. Correct. Yeah. Or, yeah, soup. or soup. Yeah. Or yeah. soup. True. Also, I really wish that they did the, uh, the bus don't ride your street. They changed that line. But they, uh, they still say it. He just says Semta, which is the bus line, which is funny. Oh, the Detroit. Okay. Bus. I, okay. Yeah. I have assumed, I assumed that was something else. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But, uh, I think, I feel like bus just a hard B in there. Can't bitch the bus don't ride your street. Like that just works better. I, I like the Semta line, but I, I don't disagree that bus is funny. I just, I think they both work. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, my biggest problem, biggest problem is that they took out i loved hearing the uh description of the viscosity and smell of the shit that his date took i'm glad they changed it both of which they didn't they did not give me probably in the bathroom kicking back taking a shit is it a greasy ass is it a smelly shit i need to know these things <laughs> this is a very aaron Yes. Problem. Yeah. I, I actually like. <laughs> Am the I change. alone on this? Yes. <laughs> Am I alone on this? Yeah. 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 I'm gonna go. Um, yeah. <laughs> overall, on this song, I I love the original version. I always will. That being said, this one feels a lot better than it did when I listened to it originally. I also love the fact that they do a little like skit break in this version. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of there in the original version, but they, I think, make it a little this more. This one's more like separated out, I feel like. More, yeah. 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 So clearly Aaron will not like this, but in my opinion, this is, in all respects, the superior version of the song. <laughs> Musically, <laughs> lyrically, delivery. In every way, I think it's better than the original. As a matter of fact, uh, when we saw ICP at the gathering uh, on the final night and they played this song, both me and Mike couldn't sing along because we only knew this version <laughs> interesting um I, like carnival of carnage is fine but when i first got into icp that was not an album that i listened to over and over and there were certain tracks that i liked but that wasn't one of them this was when i fell in love with this song uh the one and only thing i don't like in this version is jay interrupting with the nasty little pipe smoking money hungry bitch because it feels unrelated and out of place with the rest of the track i feel like he just wanted to jump in and yell about something and it feels very out of place uh also something i want to point out just something to consider this cover was only released what five or six years after the original dropped on carnival of carnage which itself carnival of carnage only came out a year before the first house of crazies album home sweet home at the time it seemed like twisted were these fresh new kids covering a classic song which was 100 not the case and it's weird to look at it with that perspective right yeah. totally like peers covering yeah that's peers. strange yeah, yeah. Uh, Robbie thoughts on first day out 98. Who do you agree with? 
I, I'm going to go team Eric. Okay. Uh, I, I knew this was coming. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking back to when I first heard this because I'm trying to put the, the, the timeline together and I got Carnal of Carnage. I had to have gotten it in like early June at the earliest or the, the latest, you know, because uh, I got Amazing Jungle Brothers the day it came out and then I sort of started collecting the older stuff from there. So I had to have been pretty fresh to Carnival Carnage still when I got this. And I think this to me was like, oh, this this guy's a lot better at rapping than the other guy <laughs> uh, because of the vocal patterns. And because he kind of adds a few more syllables here and there to kind of make it bouncier. But I think I, I do like all the changes. The Semta line is strange in a way because it's so local that I do think bus works better because to me as a kid like if, if say you hadn't heard carnival of carnage you were unfamiliar with icp i think you would just not know what that was uh, so i i d- had no fucking idea what the symptom was until eric educated me on so, on air i think if you lived in a city that had mm-hmm. public transportation most cities have a, a name for it and it's usually you know like yeah um, in, in dallas the train is the dart you know right yeah and so to me, that was an organic thing. I knew that was a, a local reference, but even mm-hmm. not knowing what it stood for, I knew 100% he was talking about the bus line. And so. I think since I knew the original version of the song said bus, my brain just went, must be the local bus. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, but I see yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know why he's putting his face in the soup at KFC unless it's just a bowl of gravy. I assume maybe they didn't actually go to KFC. Maybe that was, that was the original proposal. Maybe we could go to KFC, but that's not where they end up. And right. Said, that no, could no, be no. it. But uh, overall, yeah, I think the beat is better. I think it's it's bouncier. I think the, the chorus, the final chorus uh, hits super, super hard to the extent that they even after leaving Psychopathic were playing this song for years uh i mean they played it recently on their uh certified psychos tour but that was kind of more of a throwback show but like the the way that that final you know spoken outro into the final chorus hits live is so fun and 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 everyone bounces up and down and it just it's interesting looking back that they chose to cover this song out of anything from icp because it doesn't really fit either of their vibes that well no but i mean but it, it 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 hits I was going to ask you all, I actually wanted to pose this question, if I may. Um, Mm -hmm. If there was another song off of Carnival of Carnage, is there another song, I guess, is the question, off of Carnival of Carnage you would have rather seen them cover on this? Hold the phone. Because I'm holding mine to pull up the track list. Before I even answer that, I suspect that this was an ICP thing like, Hey, it'll help people connect with you. You should cover one of our songs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, no, yeah. I absolutely think that this was Jay saying, Hey, you should do this. Um, and I think they wanted to do something that lightened things up as well, because outside of it, right. it can be a dark and intimidating album. I think it was calculated, but, uh, I would love to have heard them cover. Never had it made because that would be fucking sick. I think ne- never had it made would be sick. I kind of want to say guts on the ceiling as well. I was going to say vocally cool. with Jamie's kind of deeper, grainier. What's the word I'm looking for? Gravelly voice. Smoking yeah. voice. That I think would have sounded really cool if the way Jay does never had it made. Or uh, sorry, guts on the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, either, yeah I think that one would have been cool. Been good. 
Um, but at the same time, yeah. I get your point. Yeah, a lighter song on this dark album, uh, it makes sense. It's definitely calculated. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And it's interesting that, like, I'm looking at the track list now, and it seems like ICP exists as an entity on this album to lighten it up. Like, between. Yeah. Uh, we'll get there, but 85 bucks an hour, and this track, Cleaver. first day out, Meat Cleaver, and then even the smoke breaks, if that's Jay. Like, the, the the album that Jamie Paul and Mike Sumner were Scott Sumner Jesus were making at the disc by themselves is incredibly dark and bleak mm-hmm. and 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 impenetrable in a way and it it is ICP's sort of pop influence to come in and go like yeah let's have a little fun here yeah yeah let's let's lighten the mood let's let's get some chuckles going yeah, yeah. Cool. it, it, it well, brings out a side of their personality that otherwise you don't see totally yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. let's move on to track seven. Somebody's dissing you. Is somebody dissing me? Is it you? Eric, I heard someone was dissing you, <sighs> and you should be pissed. Okay, I'm pissed. Good. Now, what are, are your thoughts actually, on this song? Are you just suspecting no. they're dissing you? Just, we just suspect it. Okay, they probably are. <laughs> if you think somebody is, they probably yeah. are. Uh, All likelihood. I-, I will say, this was never one of my favorite tracks on the album, but it doesn't mean it's a bad track. Paul starts off by saying, they call me hectic. Obviously, we know that's a House of Crazies reference. It's clear. uh, Well, maybe not super clear. It seems to me that maybe in ISI, they at some point plan to use the same names. Although we also know that in some of the ISI tracks, they were going by Jamie Madrox and Monoxide Child. So it's interesting that we've got a bunch of Bones and Hectic references throughout these songs. Jamie drops multiple ISI references in this track, which I never understood at the time. For some reason, I think the first time I heard it, my brain connected it with INS. And I was like, what are they talking about? Um, (laughs) There is a a line that reminded me of something else where Jamie says he's going to grab your soul straight out of your chest and put it in his black glass jar with the rest. And I remember in one of the Lotus, maybe more than one Dark Lotus song, Jay talking about keeping souls in jars, pickle jars and stuff. And it just, it felt like such a, that's a weird thing to pick out and go, there's similarities there. Uh, I think if we're going to talk about hooks, I like the hook on this one, but the delivery on the hook is a little shaky. This is the shakiest hook on the album to me, but there's a little bit of charm to that. Verses go super hard. Track is overall decent. This is not my favorite one on the album, but it's not one that I would feel compelled to skip either. I feel that. Yeah. Uh, I actually have pretty much exact same thoughts on on this one. This one, it seems like a, a forgettable song on the album, but I think that's because everything else, there's just so much other things on here that is massive standouts. Yeah. Right. So saying that this song is a forgettable song on the album isn't saying that this is a bad song at all, but uh, it just it, it it doesn't really stand out to me. The chorus is OK. There's not really it's not really catchy. It's there. But uh, and their verses are fine they're, They do really well on their verses. But yeah, not really a, a song that st- stood out to me at all. Yeah, I think it's here because and. And Robbie, as you tell your thoughts, you can maybe answer this question. I believe this was one of the three songs on the demo tape that they sent Jay. I believe so, because also uh, if you get to Cryptic Collection, there's an alternate version of this with a Blaze verse mm. um, where he opens it by saying it's Big Blaze from the ISI. So 
uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this was on that original tape. Makes sense. So what do you think about somebody dissing you? Uh, I'm going to agree with with most most everything you guys said. Uh, I think the chorus is shaky and I think it brings the track down overall. Um, but I think Jamie's verse here is one of his standouts from this era and maybe just overall. I think he just his rhyme patterns and, and the, the hardness with which he goes is uh, really impressive. Like he just is rattling off line after line in a way that it just I mean, like I said earlier, like put him in the pantheon of great rappers from that era to me his verse is a very lyrical abstract you know like mm-hmm. it definitely is it puts him up there with some of the great lyrical rappers of that time uh because he's just coming out with this like weird technical where did you put these things together how do these thoughts connect stuff that was interesting almost like a freestyle verse kind of and just cool lines like you know an ill preacher preaching a sermon. Are they learning how to sing along with a dead man song? He's got an X in his head. So I know what side he's on. Like just the imagery is really cool overall. And then it goes into, you know, buying weed and dissing people. Like it's, it is very like abstract and it, it walks a weird mm, line. Yeah, totally. Um, but the other thing I thought was interesting and I think maybe why this didn't make it to the, um, final or not final, but the, the, the national reissue outside of just having kind of a shaky chorus is the sample is from George Duke, I guess. Um, but it was from a Pete Rock and CL Smooth song, I think flipped mm. almost the exact same way, which I did not realize until later listening to uh, Mac Miller. Uh, his kids mixtape from 2010 has a song called Poppy that basically has this exact same beat. Uh, so when that first came on, when I was listening to Mac Miller, it was like, wait, what the fuck? Why, why is somebody, did he, did he sample somebody dissing you? And then looked into it and found that it was a popular Pete Rock and CL Smooth song. But, uh, yeah, I think the, the sample, the little piano thing is really cool. I think, uh, like the chorus does take it down about 30 notches just because it does sound almost like a parody of a chorus or like. They're trying to pretend they're drunk in the studio or something, or maybe they just are drunk in the studio. It feels a little, a little drunk and off key. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, it's a weird chorus, but I think everything outside of that is, is really, really good. Yeah. I I won't say I, I despise that chorus because there is an aspect of it that feels a little bit exasperated and kind of over it, which is kind of funny, but Yeah. All right. So far, all they've been hearing is player hating. Yeah, that's all I've been hearing is player hating. Uh, <laughs> all right. Let's move on to track eight. Now, Aaron, we've actually already reviewed this song way back in the summer of 2020 on episode 17 when we reviewed the first Psychopathics from Outer Space. This song is called Meat Cleaver. Uh, going back and listening to it again, do you even remember hearing it the first time? And if so, have your thoughts changed? Do you like it? What do you think? You know, this song, I do not remember hearing the f- for the first time, like at all. But then uh, earlier in the week when I was listening, I think on like my second listen, I had Genius pulled up, Genius lyrics. And the thumbnail for this song is is the Psychopathics from Outer Space album. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what the fuck? So I had to go back and look. And yeah, you're right. We We have reviewed this already. I did not go back and listen to the episode and hear what my original thoughts were. So I can't really say 
what my thoughts are compared to then because that was a long ass time ago. I mean, that was episode 17, y'all. Yeah, that was that was forever ago. We're, so we're what, on episode 121 now. What are your completely um, fresh and uh, un, un, unaffected thoughts on it now? My completely fresh and unaffected thoughts are this song is a pretty fucking cool just gang track. And I think that's something that was that was absolutely needed for a group's first release for Psychopathic, right? Yeah. Uh, this song has on it the song has shaggy on it it's got misery on it it's got obviously twisted on it and i think that everybody just goes insane with their flows on this song there's not a super deep meaning that i could pull from this song this is just talking about being with psychopathic rolling with the crew i'm with my homies here they are right or we're all gonna sort of hop in on some some verses and have fun uh, and that, that's exactly what they do. I think Misery's verse was really fucking cool. The first, uh, his, because he, I think he shows up in uh, uh, the bridge later or something like that. But mm-hmm. uh, no, his first verse is really cool. I love when rappers can switch from blowing in English and then to Spanish and then back to English. That is just such a satisfying thing. When, when somebody can do it well, I fucking love it. Yeah, he really goes back and forth. And, and he really does. Yeah, he really goes back and forth. And I think that he does it very well. I love Shaggy and Jay in this song. It's super cool to to hear them, obviously. Jay or Shaggy saying just some very classic Shaggy things, of course. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, this is just this. This was a Shaggy and Jay comfort blanket, if you will. They got in on their verse and they did exactly what the two of them do best. Yeah. And that's great. They did good. I think the chorus is pretty cool. And if you miss it, the name is Twisted, baby. That should be on a shirt or should have been on a shirt back then. It was uh, not. Missed opportunity. Yeah. Fire up the fucking uh, the fucking time machine. <laughs> Let's but go. If it was a missed opportunity by them, it could be a found opportunity to say, if you missed it, the name is Twisted with us. Podcast. Oh, Twisted with yeah. us. That. Hey. Cut all this, cut all this, cut all this. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think that this song is uh, something that they needed to do for this release. I think they did it very well. I thought the beat was super cool with it. They all had great flows. It's songs like this and it's songs even like Murder, Murder, Murder or, or even like Secondhand Smoke that make me wish I was fucking around for this this time. Yeah, 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 for sure. I, uh, you know what I, I would, I think it's a great track. It's a fun team up track, but in, if I, unless I'm mistaken, I think this is the first like psychopathic family track that I'm this aware is, of. Yeah, what I was going to get into. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, uh, the first in the line. Right. Man. Yeah, and the only other one around this time that I can think of would be on Misery's album. There's a song called Witching Hour, or is yeah. that just the two of them? That's just with that's the, just that just that's not with Twisted. Yeah. Okay. Um, so yeah, this is the first one that I remember, and I, I think that's really cool. Also, tracks like this, first day out and eighty-five bucks an hour. I know we talked about this a bit. Almost feel out of context on this album, but I don't think that's a bad thing because I think it adds variety and interest. I think we need these tracks. Oh yeah, peppered in throughout the album, and it gives the album personality. And yeah. it gives them personality. Uh, another thing I, I noticed, and I, I've never noticed it before, but I never noticed 
the the Bones reference in this one, still calling Jamie Bones, even clearly after they had twisted branding. So I think yeah. that's cool. I also like this song because I think it's the only time in the label's history that they acknowledge that their logo is not holding a hatchet. So I think that's cool. Right. It's also, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time. So it's something that I think is interesting about this song and twisted overall, especially in this early period, is that the the I don't know what you want to call them haters, I guess the aforementioned haters from the previous song, mm-hmm. um, you know, always talk about how ICP kind of made twisted, gave them a career, things like that. But in a lot of ways, I think twisted made psychopathic. And 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 gave that label and its branding what it became. And like you said, like this is the first ever psychopathic family track. It's also the first song, I think, historically, that makes any reference to the logo and and the character as being like a thing. You know, later it would become the hatchet, obviously, but saying running with a meat cleaver is like drawing attention to that little icon on the back of the album covers for I think the first time literally ever. Yeah, which it, would become such it. a huge part of the branding down the line. It totally took it from being ICP to being uh, something bigger. You know, we had labels yeah. at the time that were, I, I don't want to say a family, but you would go to that label because they had a style, um, uh, some credibility, you know, you had loyalty to it. And I think this is the point where you go from, it could have just been ICP and maybe ICP did their thing and disappeared. The addition of Twisted, and I'll say Misery on some level um, and other artists down the line, but really it was Twisted that helped establish this as something bigger. And it was about the family and the label versus one artist. And I I think that's really cool. You're right. And we're, yeah, because we're coming off that. I mean, you know, Death Row and Bad Boy had just been the biggest thing. And then 98 is where we're getting like No Limit huge, Mm -hmm. cash money starting to blow up. And I think Twisted more so than ICP were into the hip hop scene and and like paying attention to that stuff and wanted to bring that in. I mean, there's, you know, plenty of Latinum references and House of Crazies. So it seems like a thing that they were cognizant of from the outside rap world and, and wanted to brand themselves with something like that. Yeah. I mean, I know ICP always felt that there was value in their label, but I also think to this point, Psychopathic and ICP were one and the same. Yeah. So and they didn't reference it really. I mean, they, they the song Psychopathic on Carnival of Carnage, but that almost just seems to be running alongside yeah. the label, not necessarily in reference to it. I also think it's interesting that this is a pretty straightforward rap song where ICP is kind of the weird thing in it, whereas Misery and Twisted are pretty straightforward, you know, MCs. And I think it gives this period of the label an interesting dynamic where like down the line as psychopathic kind of became what it became and and had a certain brand identity and they started signing people that almost tried to be like ICP more and more. And and I think some of that element where ICP was a standout because they were so weird and specific was kind of lost. I think it's really interesting to see in this era where you just they're just signing rappers like regular, you know, Twisted had some themes and some darkness and whatnot, but they were just regular ass rappers. Whereas down the line, you get people like maybe ABK or Boondocks or whoever who like they, they also are rappers, but they're doing something that's more in line with what was already established by the label, where at right. this point there was nothing established. So it's just rappers. And then ICP gets to be the weird flavor sprinkled in. 
Right. Which I, I, I kind of wish right. that had continued down the line. Same. Yeah, you definitely got a lot of people that were emulating, I guess, what they mm-hmm. what they saw established versus they were grabbing up, you know, rappers that they thought were cool. Misery 100% was not the style of ICP in, in any capacity. No. And even though thematically House of Crazies had some things that overlapped you know they they were definitely moving in a different direction anyway they were they were going toward more mainstream straightforward legitimate rap in mixing right. in some of that stuff so uh, i agree and i liked that dynamic i think that was really cool totally. yeah i think i think it's something that they lost when they kind of found a brand and everyone had the face paint everyone you know yep sort of homogenized into like a psychopathic slash juggalo slash whatever Right. rapper and right. i think back in this era it was a little bit more interesting big agree i could definitely see that yeah we ready to move on to the next track I yeah am. yeah track number nine how does it feel eric how I'm, did it feel to listen to this <laughs> how did it feel uh it felt fine much like somebody dissing you this is a track that i probably skipped more often than not i think it's a fine track even good it's just not one that i think really resonates with me. If I had to pick between the two, I probably like this one better than somebody dissing you. And I actually think I like it a lot more now than I did back then, because when I listen to it now, I, I think I appreciate the, the lyrical and stylistical versions of this uh, more than I did, uh, especially after doing all of our house of crazies episode, because when I listen to it now, this feels very much like an evolved HOK track. So uh, I, I don't have a lot of deep thoughts on it, but th- those are my thoughts. Fuck yeah. Similar thoughts. I think the course on this actually is really cool. Uh, how does it feel to be you? How does it feel to be the way? How does it feel to feel the way you do? It's kind of cool. It, it's pretty catchy. I prefer this song over somebody dissing you. But again, uh, yeah, kind of a f- more forgettable song on this album. It ends abruptly with that that record scratch. Mm-hmm. uh you know, plus the the intro in the beginning, which sort of explains that. At some point in the great. future, I think we're going to hear a version that doesn't cut off at the end. Oh, really? Okay, that's fun. I, I love that there's like Mary Magdalene and Saint Peter references. Um, they're kind of, they're they're verging into a lot of like a lot of interesting themes in this song, but I feel like they never actually uh, hit home and fully fully touched on anything right verse two talking about uh paranoia schizophrenia you know i'm a paranoid i'm schizophrenic i I just feel like nosferatu references these songs stuff that feels like uh trailing off house of crazies concepts to me right yeah it's very and you said it perfectly this feels like a refined house of crazies track um more so than a lot of the other stuff on this album i could definitely see that and later um, house wish- of crazies like head trauma house of crazies right i just wish that a few of the the themes and stuff were fully thought out fleshed out a little bit more thought out a little bit more i don't know it's a good song yeah robbie so uh i guess not a spoiler because we're here but uh this is earlier i alluded to a song where i had written in my notes just this shit is so hard and that was this one uh i'm on a, a different uh uh side of the fence as you guys were as i think this okay. is one of the standouts in as an album track. I, I agree. It's not. Um, what am I trying to say? Where you get like "Die Motherfucker," "Die Secondhand Smoke." Those are like could almost be singles. This is very, very clearly an album track, like a deep right. album cut. Mm-hmm. But for that, I am a big fan of this one. I think the hook and the beat 
just hit super hard. I think the raps work. I mean, they're not the best verses on the album by any stretch, but they they do what they need to do to kind of bring the whole thing together. I'm yeah, I've always been a big fan of this track. Okay. And so the the ending, not to spoil too much, but um, where it does cut off there, people kind of hounded them about that for years. I, I kind of think initially it was just conceptual to go with the intro and how, you know, the old time radio would cut out or whatever. But then at every seminar and Q&A session down the line, people always asked, you know, like, what happened there? What's what do you, what is there more to that verse? What do you say after that? And they sort of started to say, you know, like, yeah, there is, you know, someday we'll finish it. Someday you'll hear it. And and just uh, without giving away too much, it takes a very long time for that to happen. I'll say that. OK, so so maybe next season, in like two years from now. OK, <laughs> OK. All right. Fair enough. All right. Uh, let's move on to another song. And this is the next one that I'm most curious to hear Aaron's thoughts on. Now, Aaron, we may have heard this at some point because I think this was also on one of the psychopathics from outer space. It is, yeah, it is. Um, yeah. First one. And we didn't review songs that didn't have ICP. And I don't know if we counted this as having ICP in it. We may have uh, either way. I want to know your thoughts on She Ain't Afraid. Here's the deal. If I know that we didn't listen to this song. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Because if we did, I would have said, damn, Eric, you look mighty comfortable laying there naked. Do you mind if I go ahead and pull my dick out? You multiple times. Yes. If I had listened to this before, like prior to this day. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Um, This is a hilarious sex song that has, you know, some problems in it of things that we've sort of already talked about and touched on of, of signs of the time in rap music in this day and age. But I think the skit in the beginning is fucking great. It shows you exactly what you're about to listen to. And if you were at any point uncomfortable with some of the things that you heard in the intro, just skip the song. <laughs> yeah, probably. Just go and just go and skip the song because you're you're not gonna fuck with anything else in this song. <laughs> um, their flows are awesome. the The fucking beat is great. I think that Monoxide goes fucking hard on, on verse one. It's just a classic sex song. It, it's a, a song about having sex, and it's just lines that are going to want to make you laugh or go, uh, or, you know, like that's the, that's the point of this song. This song is a lighthearted sex song because you can't have a serious sex song and also talk about get it started. Legs parted. I hit it so hard. The pussy farted. <laughs> um, that being said, I think the chorus is very catchy. I mm-hmm. like, I think it's funny. That's not something that I'm going to proudly roll down my windows in the summertime and jam. <laughs> full blast as i'm riding around but i think it's i think it's good the only thing i don't like about this song and the only the the thing the the fat that i feel like could be trimmed off of this song is just shaggy's ramblings the interlude of shaggy rambling i think that this song would be so much better if that was not in there yeah i i won't disagree with you there Oh, also, um, school me on the methods of your pink fun is an insane line. <laughs> That's that insane is line. bonkers. <laughs> I, I think this track is ridiculous. I, and I don't mind some sex songs if they are funny or clever. This one has its moments, but I think their goal here was uh, shock, right? They wanted oh, to yeah. just take it as far as they could and really just 
make the old ladies clutch their pearls. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that was their yeah. goal. Uh, you know what I'm saying? There's some parts that are uh, kind of problematic. You know what I'm saying? It's mostly Shaggy's interlude. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it's not just because he says, you know what I'm saying, seven times in 53 <laughs> seconds. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, I do think, though, his interlude there might be the first use of the term psychopathic family. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Shaggy's part. He, they didn't need it. He didn't need to be there. Uh, I think it would have been funny if Shaggy did a legitimate verse in this song, because I think he could he could have kept pace with them in the I can outgross you sense. But yeah, yeah. Also, as far as the actual verses, I'm not sure Paul knows what a clit is (laughs) because rappers from the 90s did not No, because he says he notices four fingers in her clit. And I'm like, in a in a sense of like the physical universe that doesn't really work. You, that's not, that's thing not a thing you can get inside of. Yeah. Even <laughs> if you meant forefinger rather than four fingers still doesn't make sense. Uh, and also, does Jamie make a reference to the TV show singled out from MTV in there? Is that the Miss McCarthy thing with the 50 singles? Yeah. Oh, I'm just putting that together for the first time in my life. That is I, what he's talking about. I never caught that either. Uh, and now I'm going to talk about the part of this song that nobody wants to hear about. I think this is an interesting song because I think sexuality, especially among women, has been destigmatized in a lot of ways over the last 20 to 25 years. So the things in the song that she ain't afraid to admit were clearly far more taboo or controversial back then than they are now. I I think Mm. most of the things that she ain't afraid to admit are pretty common and normal. Uh, because yeah. of that, I think the song felt a lot more graphic and shocking when it came out than it does now. And now it still feels a little graphic and shocking. But I also think that concept applies a lot to their weed references throughout the album. It's not shocking or dangerous now as it once seemed, right? I think considering yeah, yeah. the social and political attitudes towards sales and legalization of marijuana have changed so much, even in just in the last 10, 15 years. And also so many rappers now routinely talk about way harder drugs, which is kind of crazy to me. But uh, yeah, this song doesn't feel as shocking as it once did because of that. I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, yeah, I'm glad this lady's not fearful, though. That's good. She shouldn't be. I, I like the I like the different ways they each get into their verses. Uh, Monoxide pretty bluntly, let's get high and just fuck. Uh, and then Jamie, excuse me, lady, did you say you like to fuck? Uh, I heard uh, over here you talk to someone else and, uh, it seems like you may have mentioned that. I think that's very funny. And, uh, also as it is obviously problematic, uh, I think it's very funny that Shaggy is talking about doing sexual things to a woman and then says, fuck that. I ain't no fucking Epsler like yeah. that. Which is like, like what? That's, yeah, like, well, that's how you prove it. By doing all these things. Like, if you were an Epsler, you wouldn't do these things. You'd be I, I assume he was saying, I'm just joking. I don't do those things because I'm not gay, presumably. It's like, I guess, <laughs> I don't know. It just makes I don't no know. sense. Shaggy's just a maniac. Well, and, and I don't understand is that he's not, like, he says, like, I ain't no Efsler, and then uh, he says, "I like them stubbly, though. So those whiskers tickle my balls when they suck my dick." What? It almost sounds bad. I feel like that like was yeah. I feel like said that before the other thing. 
I feel like he should have swapped. Yeah, right. I mean, well, that's <laughs> was that sort of like the equivalent of in the mid to late 2000s? Uh, a lot of rappers were real hype on the no homo. No homo. Is that what this is? Oh, He's trying that to do be that? It. Maybe. It, it I just could, don't know what's could, gay yeah. about the Boston crab. Well, I, I think the the gay part is him. Uh, I think he, that's a pre precursor to what he's about to say. He just didn't do it well enough. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. That's very possible. Listen, I'm not gay, but I like stubbly whispers. <laughs> but exactly I love it. whiskers tickling yeah. my balls when yeah. they suck my dick. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, hear me out. I think that's it. I think that's it. Pause. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, Overall, I like I, I am I'm sort of on record uh, and that's a record no one's uh, paying attention to as not liking sex songs for the most part. But uh, this one, a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of on the same side as you. I, I mean, that's not usually my go to track. Um, but again, sometimes I can appreciate one that's funny and clever. And OK, yeah, I get it. I will never sit down and say, hey, you should check out this group called Twisted. Here's a song called She Ain't Afraid. <laughs> Probably yeah. not. The first that will song. never happen. That yeah. will never happen. But it turns someone on. I can. And I feel like that's a sentiment for like if I showed, you know, people fuck face, for instance, I wouldn't show them a good size first. You right. know, no. Well, maybe. I mean, depending. It's pretty catchy. It's a good one. But I can appreciate a good sex song if it's done well and funny. I, I think this is done pretty well and funny. I think yeah. this skit makes it at the beginning. Um, I, I love the idea that one of them is just, hey, you got to check this out. <laughs> this <yeah>. lady. <laughs> Yo, you got to see this. <laughs> yeah. Right around the corner, there's just this naked lady. Check this out. Yeah. Well, I discovered like, her the other day after school. Yeah. I feel like they stumbled across the place in France where the naked lady stands. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah, that's very true. Um, and so. then the hole in the wall is where the men can call through to see if they mind if we pull our dick out. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Perfect. Let's move on to the next song. Uh, this is a track called What the Fuck? It is. Eric, what are your thoughts? So if I had to pick a favorite Twisted track, I already mentioned Murder, Murder, Murder. But the truth is, I might like this one more. Musically, lyrically, delivery wise, everything about this, I for years and years and years was obsessed with this track. If I was making music or trying to get somebody into this music or whatever it was, this was one of the first songs that came to mind. If if somebody didn't understand ICP or Twisted, I'd be like, listen to this song. And they'd be like, oh, that's actually pretty sick. I There's something about this that just works so well for me. I, they they really bring it on this one and musically it just hits so hard plus there's lines like true i sold my soul i never did shit with it what the fuck was that but i could give a fuck about it so i know i can live without it like i was like damn that's, yeah, that's awesome a cool line yeah. that's a super cool line super paul. cool line that was paul right yeah mm -hmm. yeah we also get a couple of isi reference here and i'm yes. i'm i don't want to say i'm pretty sure that's definitely blaze on the hook that we're hearing mm-hmm uh, First ever. It's noted, uh, yeah, it's noted as oh, Blaze yeah. in the Ingenious. Yeah. yeah. And again, this was definitely a pre twisted track, but we've got Jamie calling Paul Monoxide Child and calling himself Jamie Madrox. And uh, Paul also hits us with a shit to make your ears bleed reference, which mm -hmm. was one of the optional titles for whatever the last or the next House of Crazies album was going to be. Yeah, I, I love this song. I love top to bottom love this song uh what are your thoughts 
this song is really good. I, I I don't know if I like it more than I say murder, murder, murder or uh, secondhand smoke. Um, but this is a solid track. This is a solid track. And this would would be a, a song that I would consider showing uh, somebody if if I was to show them twisted. I think that the chorus is super cool. I, I like hearing Blazy Dead Homie in it. Um, that's super awesome. I think that that Jamie goes fucking hard. You're right. He's already calling Paul Monoxide child. And then we also have the ISI references, multiple thrown in mm-hmm. this song. So it's like a hodgepodge of the uncertainty of where they were at when this song was released, right? The half-baked nature of the group when they were making this song. But you, it doesn't feel half-baked, obviously, because they're very experienced with working with each other. Uh, that being said, I, I feel like the beat on this one isn't my favorite. It's fine. It's okay. I like it just fine. Uh, this song is a good song, but not something... I, I wouldn't call this a, a top three song on this album, but I like this song a lot. Interesting. All right, Robbie, where do you stand with this one? Well, I'm going, well, let me let me glance at this track list here. I think I might call it a top three song on the album, honestly. This is, uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm with Eric here. This is a, this is a highlight for me. Um, a lot of cool stuff here. There's the intro, uh, which is samples from Halloween 3, which at the time I think was still kind of reviled uh, by most fans of that franchise. So I thought it was an interesting choice for them to sample it. It's come around and built an audience in the years since, but... I remember when this came out being like Halloween three, people hate that movie. We got blaze here on the chorus, which like I said, first time he appeared on anything, you know, psychopathic. I don't even, I mean, he wasn't even credited on this. I don't think. And then this, they're just, I think they really set a lot of like, this came out first on a sampler, uh, in like, I think January of 98 or so, um, maybe a little bit later than that, but the psychopathic 1998 sampler. And I think this is a perfect, intro to twisted in that way this could have been for all intents and purposes the first twisted song like jamie immediately lays out you know we left the company for lack of payroll now we're stable on our feet willing and able like the obviously referencing latinum and and hok and the fact that they had just left then we got a bunch of horror movie references you know jamie talking about being a cenobite which i don't think i knew what that was for 10 years after i heard this album probably a a hellraiser thing yeah yeah, but I I hadn't seen it for a long time, or I didn't see it until much later. So I I was I don't think I ever knew what that was. Uh, I I like that you know Paul's saying scream style motherfuckers with the masks and the hoods, which when they first came out they did have masks and uh, and scream was such a recent movie still. I mean it came out what, like two years before this, so I think that's really cool. Um, overall though, it's just a, a very I would say hard song, and I. Hey, you know what? I like it. Nice. All right. Let's move on to track 12. Another smoke break. I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about this one. Aaron? Now talk about a top three track. <laughs> um, Yeah, no, this is uh another smoke break. It's just like smoke break. It's yeah. fine. It exists. It's not that long. It's a great little breather. I'm fine with it being there. Yeah, this one further reinforces my thoughts that this is a Violent J thing because he does the that thing and he does that type of thing in other songs that just feels like a very J thing to do. Also, I'd I'd love to see somebody smoke anything. Doesn't matter what it is like this. 
Like, I don't know what you're doing that makes it do that. Um, <laughs> Maybe but, rapidly taking his thumb off the carb on the pipe or something. I, 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 no I don't know. It's hilarious. Um, or just rapidly like moving the joint up and down across your lips as you're smoking, just trying <laughs> to catch some. I don't know. Like uh, harmonica. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Playing, <laughs> playing the joint. I don't know. It's fine. It's a fine, fine track. It's just like the first one. Any other additional thoughts, Robbie? Uh, not really. I think uh, it'd be funny if they said, if you still smoke bud, then say, hell yeah. Uh, missed opportunity. Uh, it makes sense that they had, you know, uh, this on each side of the tape, mm-hmm. um, which it kind of falls around the same distance from the beginning to the end. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's sort of symmetrical if you laid it out front to back. But yeah, I mean, there's not a lot going on here. Yeah. Do you think that they were also placed in the strategic places throughout the album where you needed to smoke? Like if you smoked during the first one, like you need to smoke again right now. Maybe. Although, you know, then you're just going to be high and the album's going to end pretty soon. So yeah, go about your business <laughs> after that, I guess. That's that's true. All right. Well, then let's well, move gotta on. Go home, to, but you can't stay here. Let's move mm-hmm. on to track 13. This one is called 85 bucks an hour. Now, this one we definitely reviewed when we did Forgotten Freshness 1 and 2 uh, back on episode 14, the, 107 wow. episodes ago. I'm sure you re- remember this one. Uh, oh. <laughs> but ostensibly, that is also where most of the country and the world heard this song first being as this album supposedly wasn't widely available. Forgotten right. Freshness 1 and 2 was a very successful album. So a lot of people heard this song. Maybe this is the first Twisted song they ever heard. Almost guaranteed. Or maybe they think it's a ICP song featuring Twisted. I don't know. Also true. almost guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. definitely true. <laughs> Aaron, thoughts? Uh, yeah, so I know it's probably been talked about, but Violent J, so ICP discussed this song during one of their 2021 Patreon streams. And by the way, I'm getting this straight from Genius from uh, Mustard. So thank you, Mustard. 85 bucks an hour. Uh, people didn't take longer than five minutes to write their their verses. Oh, this is like uh, Golden Goldies. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So this was just a fuck around song. And you can tell that. You, you can definitely tell that when you listen. Beats okay. Jay's first verse would have been cooler if he would have taken six minutes and actually rhymed a few words um <laughs> rather than five minutes and not rhyming a single goddamn thing uh and then again this is where i was talking about earlier in the episode where icp is kind of uh, needs to get in and, and get involved with some skits or with, uh with some courses rather yeah let's throw in a skit here comes the course, um, but i got no hook yeah here comes the course i got no hook and then uh, instead, I'll just fuck with the phone book. And it was, it's just a prank call. And it's fine. It's funny. It's whatever. Uh, I think the first chorus prank call is way better than the second one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Madrox, Monoxide, they sound fucking great. Their verses, I'm actually a little bit impressed with if they wrote it in five minutes. Um, I think they're they're pretty good. Shaggy's there. This song's pretty good for what it is. Shaggy's for what there. it is. I feel, I feel like I say Shaggy's there to like way many to way too many things. Although I do like uh, I do like that he talks about shaking his hips like Elvis, uh wiggling his pelvis. I thought that was pretty good. And, and that's after the stretch my nuts back like a slingshot and plant them in your mouth. Think about that like visualize how hilarious and awesome that is. They so actually, and this is not just in this song, but this is pretty much everywhere you see ICP in this album. You really can tell the 
cartoonish juxtaposition between ICP and Twisted. Yeah, there's there's a massive disparity in s- lyrical. I don't want to say lyrical skill because I think ICP are really um, masterful lyricists in doing Absolutely. what they do. But there's a, a big there. They are at two opposite ends tonally of of the spectrum. exactly yeah it's at times in this album it sounds like jay and shaggy are running around hitting each other with oversized hammers <laughs> you know what i mean like that's like they just they bring a cartoonish element to horrorcore that i feel like if you exclusively listen to icp you don't fully get that until you listen to something like this where you hear some dark stuff from twisted uh and the lighter stuff that's coming through on this album are either ICP directly or something that is very heavily influenced. And we think, Hey, I think Jay said, let's do this and lighten the mood. Like we've been talking about. Um, So I think that is really, that comes through a lot in this song, but it it definitely comes through in more songs that we've already talked about. I also think what you just said is why ICP blew up, became a mainstream hit and has had such staying power is because the humor and the lightness adds a, a, a huge group of people to the spectrum of who can listen and can appreciate yes. ICP. It adds a sense of accessibility to yes. a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, that That is the genius of what they do. They do it better than anybody else. It would be hard to find another group that can do what ICP does and pull it off in that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So. Uh, I think to me, the twisted portion of the song is fine. It's funny for the longest time I was trying. I've always tried to understand what is I got a big head that never fits a hat. So you don't see me wearing a damn thing green. I'm like, is he talking is that like a green beret reference? And then I just read uh, an annotation about this has to do with when they got arrested at a Waffle House and Jamie was wearing a big green hat. And I was like, what? I had no huh? idea what that was about. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a weird, specific personal reference that like. I don't even understand. I, I'm not even 100% sure that's what it's in reference yeah, to. Yeah, I don't know either. It, it sounds it seems like it'd speculative. Be a yeah. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I think it's just nonsense, really. Uh, what am I saying? I think everything you guys said about the the juxtaposition between the two groups is is super important. I think it's why they worked as a, as a pairing for so long mm-hmm. as well as they did. Uh, or at least, you know, through, I'd say, like 2001-ish uh, when they... You know, after I'd say Tales from the Lotus Pod, they kind of went separate paths for the most part. But ICP were such big cartoonish characters. And then they brought in these guys who were a little bit more, you know, calculated, a little bit more technical, a little bit darker. They didn't have the humor as much. And I think in this song, they try to shoehorn some of that in. Like, you know, they 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 have funny verses each, but like it feels very out of character for them almost. I, I agree. Um, and I think they do that a couple times on the first couple records where they, they I think because of who they were aligned with and what was, you know, the, what what had been successful for ICP, they went, OK, well, we've got to have a funny song or two. But I think it always feels a little shoehorned in. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels unnatural in a way, even though they are very funny guys, which you'll see in like Big Money Hustlers and stuff like the Purple Show, which they did down the line and various, you know, uh outside of music humor i think they're they're very funny but uh it's always weird uh, almost a little awkward to hear them be funny on a record to me uh, I, yeah i couldn't agree right. more. i think knowing what i know of them now even up like very recently them doing the like 
the the mailboxes of of food from around the world and sample them like these yeah. guys are funny they are very you know clever humorous but i very much feel that this with the house of crazies context felt out of character for them and yeah i think being silly and funny in this way is the first sign of the ICPification of Twisted that would eventually come. More on that in our next mm. episode. A lot more on that in our next episode. Mm. Um, but it, it works. The track works. They, You can hear the four of them together. Like, these guys are supposed to be making music together. It, it works. Totally. You know? um, oh, yeah. And, the camaraderie is really obvious. Yeah. And Aaron, I fully disagree. I think Jay's parts on this song are super clever and funny. I think this is probably one of the best known you know i mean if people know icp songs there's a few that are gonna be the first that come to the top of their head right this is one that probably a lot of people are familiar with and i think it's kind of a classic track and i honestly wish it didn't exist outside of this album like i think this is such a well-known song because they slapped it so many places over the years yeah Uh, i think it would be like looking back in my memory i think it would be what am I trying to say? I think it would just work better as only a song that's on most tasteless. I think because it's kind of silly and and gimmicky hearing it in a bunch of different contexts, like on forgotten freshness and wherever else, like waters it down almost mm-hmm. where I feel like in this context, it serves a very specific purpose and works really well. Right. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. I, I also think it's interesting that the, on the, one of the phone calls, they reference slim anus, which it didn't exist yet. I mean, like right. I, I was in 98, they weren't beefing with Eminem. They hadn't made that song. My name is didn't even come out. So I'm very curious where that, you know, comes from. Yeah. It, I I wonder, well, they, they probably said it on this track and then the whole slim shady thing happened and it probably mm. was sort of like, oh, slim anus. And then they were like, well, like, we could work that rework that easily. <laughs> yeah. the, they, yeah. I mean, because that whole slim anus song was. No, no, no. I was it uh Eminem ain't nothing but a bitch was the one that's that's taken from the Golden Goldies, like Golden Spud like diss song. Yeah. But yeah, they definitely pulled that stuff from previous tracks to make the Eminem disses, which is funny. Oh yeah. All right, let's move Heck on yeah. to let's move on to the last track. I say, this is technically the last track. Uh, there is one more song after this. Correct. So the song is called Renditions of Reality. Aaron, thoughts? renditions of reality i think this is actually a, a pretty good uh album ending you're right the last real song mm-hmm. of the album right i think that their verses are fucking awesome uh i think that paul's verse like verse two uh so and, like it feels dark there's a very dark uh beat dark vibes of this song um i think the chorus is pretty fucking sick reality is just a fragment a fragment inside of my soul my eyes are closed my head is spinning my head is spinning i swear to god i don't know I think that's yeah. fucking cool. I mean, that that really brings a lot of uh, Im- imagery forward. Uh, and it's very uh, I don't like I don't even have the lyrics in front of me right now. I just kind of just pulled that from listening to it four times. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, th- I think that this is a like I said, a great song to end the album with. It's yeah. got a dark beat. They all go super hard on their flows. Uh, it's a, a dark song and it really like hits you like a rock and it really sits with you and makes you reminisce and think about 
the the vibe and the feelings of the entire album Does as it it's playing out. Hit you like a ton of bricks. You know, it's sometimes you would say it would hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Did did Paul's verse seem familiar to you at all in this track? I don't think it did. Should it have? Yeah. I talked about this song when we reviewed Head Trauma because there's a song on that album called Slip Into Reality. Mm. Paul, with just a couple of slight changes, reuses his whole verse from that song in this one. Damn. And I was I remember saying when we reviewed that, that this song is dramatically better than that song was and uh jamie even starts his verse with when i slip into reality and that's i think this is kind of the sequel or evolution of that song they went hey there was something cool there can we make it into something more musically i love this song it's just when you pair the vibe of the music with their lyrics it it focuses in it's a lot more serious there's nothing scary there's nothing funny it's let me tell you my story, some truths, you know, what what we're talking about. And it feels heavy. It feels fitting for a last track. I really like Jay's part on the hook. Honestly, I think that it's such an understated, subtle use of Violent Jay in a song. And he is not generally an understated, subtle guy. And it True. works. He he got on their level for his contribution here. And it sounds really good to me. Um yeah, I, I'm not stoked that on the streaming platforms, the hidden track is tacked on to the end. I know that's how the CD was, uh, but it is what it is. Uh, I think musically, lyrically, everything about this is, is really cool. But um, what are your thoughts, Robbie? Uh, yeah, I mean, just what you guys were saying, I think this is a, like a classic, perfect final track. I think it is very in the in the vein of an ICP final track. I mean, if you listen to all the House of Crazies albums, it I mean, even slip into reality from Head Trauma is like track five or something yeah um they didn't do that whole big dramatic serious song to close like icp did and i think this is probably that influence uh which i'm i'm curious if maybe even that's why you know there's the reused verse and some of that stuff if if icp was like this album's you know pretty good why don't you end it with a real serious heartfelt thing and they maybe slap this together or something i believe that yeah it works you know i think we get some some lore here in that like Jamie references his father dying for the first time, which kind of becomes something that's a re- not like a recurring theme because it's his life, but it is a thing that comes up in future songs. So it's kind of, he laid it out here for the first time. I don't know. Uh, it's a good song. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I think um, there's a remix on cryptic collection that changes a few things in the beat that I actually think make it superior. That kind of oh. makes the piano a little louder um and and makes it a little spacier which i think is really cool but yeah i think this is a this is a classic you know album closer and they they still you know play it from time to time in concert so it's 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 stood the test of time for sure and uh oh that's what i was gonna say throughout the album you know they're obviously to some degree in character and there's little passing references to like suicide and and weed and you know i smoke weed because i'm stressed or whatever stuff like that and i think this grounds all that where uh, the like the way i've always thought about this album is it kind of plays like you're watching like there's a horror movie playing in the background uh on mute and you're smoking weed with friends kind of bullshit and whatever and then this song almost feels like you're alone at the end of that like you go home or whatever and like the mask is off kind of the the flipping nature of some of those references is kind of more grounded in, in serious right. heartfelt stuff. 
And uh, yeah, I think it's a perfect way to kind of end the album by going like, okay, we've had fun here. We've had, we've gotten a little crazy, but this is who we are. This party is over. And now I'm left here with my thoughts. Just, just the reality of my situation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. That's, Fuck yeah. That's that baby. Well, we ready to move on to the secret track. Let's Ooh. Eric, what are your thoughts on question mark, question mark, question mark? Yeah, on on the tape and things, it is listed as a separate track. So we'll talk about it as a separate track. And I will say the most interesting thing about this to me is that up to this point, even though we've talked about the underlying influence that we suspect Jay and ICP had on structuring this album and making sure that there was enough variety and character and, and flow to it, I think that the ICP influence on this album on the surface feels minimal, aside from something like 85 bucks an hour, right? Uh Until you get to this hidden track, which is a carbon copy of the old hotline tracks that ICP used to put at their, the end of their IPPs Mm -hmm. back in the nineties and like call this number to find out what the next Joker's card is or whatever. And it is even Jay doing it. Like Jamie and Paul are relegated to the background doing reaction sounds like listening to his story. Uh, so strange that this is here. Uh, really, really an odd thing. But again, this is as weird as it is to say the thing that feels most ICP on this album to me. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is Jay. Yeah. 100% feels like the most authentic ICP thing that they did on this Twisted album. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Robin, yeah. do you have any important notes or things that we should know about this? Is there any interesting facts about it? Really? Um, the the hotline is obviously what the number is giving out is the old twisted hotline, which I don't know what would have been on it in 98. I, I assume it would have been similar to the ICP hotline, which was usually one of their employees, uh, someone from Psychopathic kind of reading the news of the day mm. sort of dryly. The ICP hotline at this time, I don't think I started calling it until the Jekyll Brothers era. And it would just be like one long message, about 10 minutes or so, with someone from Psychopathic reading headlines, basically. So like, you know, we've got a comic book coming out. Find it at your local store. And then like listing tour dates, basically. Mm. Um, I assume the Twisted One started that way. I assume in if you would have called this the day the album was released, you would have gotten something similar to that. Uh, it developed into a very personal, organic thing where it was typically Jamie and Blaze, because uh, they lived together at the time, doing just like answering questions, being silly, having daily themes like Serial, Sunday, Super Saturday, stuff like that. It was and, a uh, podcast before they had podcasts. Totally. Yeah, it was like a daily 10 minute thing where they would just kind of bullshit and answer people's questions because it was a, all the hotlines were basically voicemails. So the right. outgoing message was what you were calling to hear and then you could leave a message at the end. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't I, I'd be curious. And these things were not really archived at all. There's a few on on YouTube, but I would be really curious at this time period if it was more just like a news thing or if, you know, someone from Twisted was already updating it personally. Yeah. I, you know, I never called it. My assumption was uh, it was a message that said, tell us a story about the first time you licked someone's butthole. <laughs> That's what I assumed it was. <laughs> you may be right. 
Um, I, they don't have any evidence of the opposite. Aaron, just note that because in a couple of episodes, you're going to go, oh, that's why you said it. <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Hey, uh, I will get that later. Yeah. Do you or do you not think it was fresh? <laughs> yes. All right. Um, yeah. Well, that's the album. My God, we are officially nuts deep into Twisted. Yeah, officially. They're a uh, slingshot it into your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Thank God they weren't fat sack jacks because I don't think my mouth could hold them all. No, no probably no, not. No. <laughs> yeah, we didn't go into the story of that too much, but give it a listen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one thing I do want to point out about that track, though, is so Jay calls out the numbers, you know, four and it echoes. Mm-hmm. He makes a point and it's the only one that I remember hearing of all of the like hotline teases that he makes a point to put the dash in there. Yeah. And they don't oh, really. <laughs> yeah. They all dashed home. I'm like, what? You only put one dash. You didn't put both dashes, but it's weird that you put one in at all. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> As if you had to type that into the phone. I would, I would right. love I would love to see one of these where he actually does the parentheses for the uh, area <laughs> code in the beginning. Left the parenthesis. Right parenthesis. <laughs> Yeah, work left parenthesis into a fucking story, Jay. <laughs> I air you. The beginning of a story of that. Yeah, for real. Oh, man. I, I think it's time to get to our overall thoughts. Let's do it. Is it not? Yes. Yeah. Overall thoughts. I'll go first. Please. As someone who is venturing into Twisted for the very first time and with limited knowledge about this group... I am excited to continue forward after listening to this album. I think that uh, Most Tasteless is definitely going to be something that I will jam periodically for a very long time. Uh, This album already feels familiar to me and already feels like some classics, even though some of these songs I, you know, heard once a year and a half ago or, you know, are hearing for the first time when I'm listening to this, getting ready for this review. That being said... I feel like my experience with this album would have been very different if we hadn't taken the time to listen to HOK big time. in the last season. Agree. Um, there are so many HOK references and call outs in here that, yeah, I just feel I feel like that was such a needed season. And that was something that because it was up in the air. A lot of people said, now nah, you don't need to do House of Crazies. You just go to Twisted. Yeah, I'm um, super glad we did it. Super glad we did it because I gained so much more out of this album with that with that knowledge of of House of Crazies. Even I mean, even when I missed some references, because there were there was shit I missed in there that was H OK. Even the shit that I missed, you know, it feel this 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 album, like I said before, feels like a freshman release that uh, was from a group that is not not freshman. And they did a great job. I think they did a great job with their tones and their delivery and how they want to sound, have twisted sound. And then I also think that Jay and Shaggy did a great job of coming in there, lightening it when they needed to and making this a, an accessible album that they, they say, Hey, this is a good package. Here's a good packaged up album that we can ship off to the greater Detroit area. Apparently, uh, and a little further and introduce twisted to the world. I think this introduction album is, is a great introduction album. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 
So, Eric, what are your thoughts? Yeah, hopefully this doesn't come off as too hyperbolic. But when I listen to this, and I, I've come back to this periodically off and on, but this past week or two, this is all I listened to. I just kept it on repeat in the car. This is all I listened to. And I feel like Most Tasteless deserves to be mentioned in conversations about the best and most important rap albums of the 90s. Actually, you know, if you were going to do like Rolling Stone does a top 100 rap albums of all time or something, there's no way they'd put this on, but I feel like it belongs there. You know, I I never got into Jay-Z and Tupac and Biggie and Nas and Dr. Dre and Eminem and stuff like that. Have I heard them? Sure. But it didn't resonate with me. During that time, I had this album. I had the riddle box and Malenko's I had Dr. Octagon. I had grave diggers. Those are the equivalent for me that when I hear that stuff now, these are the classic rap albums to me. The, the ones that, you know, some people, when they hear nothing but a G thing, you know, played live at a club, freak out. If you played songs from those albums, those are the ones that would hit me. And I'd be like, fuck. Yeah. You know, this is the shit that, that had a big impact on me. And I grew up on, and this album is, is one of those. I think, The other cool thing about this to me, and maybe one of the reasons it hit me so hard, was that this is clearly more serious in its tone and in its craft than most ICP albums and songs had been that were released up to that point. It felt darker and scarier, and in many ways as if it had a deeper level of reverence for the craft of of rap in general. It seemed Mm. to me, both now and at the time, as if it if it asked for and deserved a different level of rap cred than ICP were even seeking. Not that they weren't good at what they did. ICP is great at what they did. It's just a different thing and done in a different way. And by this point, ICP was already enjoying a boom of mainstream visibility from Great Malenko, whether they were getting rap respect or not. They definitely weren't at the time. But in contrast, you have Most Tasteless, which to me is still very much a House of Crazies album at its core, um, which is a group that despite their grind and determination to really hone and refine their skills and sound, never broke through to mainstream audiences. And because of that, it's clearly evident just how hungry Paul and Jamie really are at this stage, ready to just continue that trajectory that House of Crazies was on and prove that they've got what it takes to succeed, that they've got all the skill, both as lyricists and MCs, that All these mainstream artists that are blowing up have got. And I think that that hunger brings such a gritty sense of sincerity to this album that makes it work. This isn't a concept album. It's not a a hard themed album. The songs don't all necessarily carry deep social or moral messages, but it does serve as an album, as a very fitting and impressive introduction and a showcase of the skills and personality that Twisted bring to the table. So... I know that was probably more glowing than I should be giving any album, but I think this is a really important album, and I think it's a great album. But, Robbie, what are your thoughts? Well, not to be hyperbolic and (laughs) not to outglow you, but I am on record as saying this, Most Tasteless, is my favorite album of all time. Uh, I've heard it more than anything. Uh, I toyed with the idea of not even writing notes or preparing for this at all because I could just come in and talk about it. Uh, I did take notes. I am a professional, but, <laughs> uh, but, but I could have just come in and, and freestyled it and had plenty to say. I could probably talk about this album, you know, for hours on end. We could do another one of these and I could say all different stuff probably. Yeah. I think in line with what Eric said, 
if you look at what was going on at the time, you know, the 98, there's this is like no limit was enormous. DMX, uh, Jay-Z was starting to get mainstream popular finally. Uh, and I think talent wise, this is there, you know, in that in that same pool. I think uh, I think it's unfortunate that it didn't get that look. And I think a lot of that had to do with ICP's reputation and the fact that this was their protégés. But um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the skill here is 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 crazy. They're, they're, like, even compared to the most recent HOK stuff that had come out, this is just so focused, so, like, lean and tight. And there's a little bit of fat, but, like, it's, this is a, a masterful, you know, introduction to a new group kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think, like I said earlier, that, like, themes-wise, it does feel very much like, hanging out with friends, you know, smoking weed, watching horror movies, maybe driving around, listening to music, that kind of thing. Uh, it's very like personable while it is a little bit dark and, and antisocial and, and can be isolating. It's very like if you, you as the listener are invited to the inside, you know what I mean? Right. You're part of, you're part of the, the antisocial thing. And yeah, I think it, for the time and for, now i think it's a, just a, a great record um it, it did a really good job of of blending the sort of 90s hip-hop lyricism and beats with sort of what was going on in the rock world attitude wise in the mid to late 90s and i think that's like a space that got them lumped in with new metal uh in the years to come but like i think it's a lane that was underexplored and and could have been a cool thing that I think Eminem sort of took that and went with it and became yeah. very, very popular. But I think this had more of a uh, true to the core, you know, negative attitude, like late 90s rock vibe. Yeah, I feel that. Fuck yeah. And I will say again, just to reiterate, I think passing post House of Crazies, Paul and Jamie through the ICP filter and having some guidance there is part of what makes this album work so well. Cause there's just enough guidance to go. Let's make this album structured in a way that it's very listenable. Let's make it, let's bring out a little more personality. Let's give you a little more mainstream accessibility. Uh, I, I don't think this album could be what it is without that oversight and support. Yeah, and I, I mean, like, if there was anything ICP were geniuses at in the '90s, specifically, it was crafting albums. Yeah, and uh, that guidance is definitely seen here. Yep. Fuck yeah, absolutely. Personal favorite tracks? Are we ready to talk about that? Let's go. Let's, do it. Let's go. I'm. It sounds like we're sucking this album's dick, y'all, and it's because we are. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> hey, I ain't so no personal. Effing. F like that. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're getting our balls tickled by the stubble. <laughs> yeah. By the stubbly goodness of the lips of this album. Yes. Wait, that doesn't even make sense. Who's sucking whose dick in this scenario? Um favorite songs. This one uh it was a little difficult for me, but I was able to pick one pretty easily, I think. I've I've got a few that I think are are really good. My personal favorite is Murder, 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 though. I, I It's so, that's the clear cut what I think should be 
like the definitive song of this album. If I were to show somebody Twisted, specifically this era of Twisted, it would be Murder, Murder, Murder. I think that's a great defining track for the album. And you just saved me the the excruciating torture of having to choose between what the fuck and murder, murder, murder. So what the fuck is mine? Uh, I also had as honorable mentions, secondhand smoke and renditions of reality on my list. So secondhand smoke was my, my second pick. Yeah. And then I I think renditions of reality probably would have been my third. I'd say. Yeah. And then, I mean, you guys saved me the trouble so I can just go ahead and say secondhand smoke, although it's really, really tough between that and renditions of reality. Boom. Nice. Well, there we go. There's our three. Let's put them. Actually, we don't have to do it right now, but we're going to officially start a twisted playlist. Oh, what do you mean we don't have to do it right now? I'm doing it right the fuck now, baby. All right. Oh, I'm I'm doing it right now. I already got the twisted logo play uh, put in. Nice. Holy cow. All right. While you are putting those on, I want to talk about scores a little bit because we're going to change scoring slightly. We're going to discuss six and seven season six and seven what are our scores going to look like first off we're going to retire skits and interludes we tried it for a while most of the time ended up not using it so from now on we will just consider skits and interludes with the overall vibe of the album because i think that's what they affect second up this came up when we started doing house of crazy reviews and we gave fago scores and uh rob was like why are you giving it Fago scores? Fago's not a twisted thing. Not to say they never talk about Fago, but um, we need something new to give twisted albums. Now, when we do ICP albums, of course, we'll still give them Fago scores. But Robbie, do you have any suggestions? What kind of scores should Twisted get? I've thought about this a little. Um, axes, maybe. Oh. Uh, or. Um serial killer scores i don't know these are i'm trying to think of like serial scores should we give them the score of cereal yeah just uh but like breakfast cereal yeah we will give them a cornflakes out of uh special k (laughs) yes corn corn cornflakes out of cheerios right uh real quick what is the so i have i have murder 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 i have secondhand smoke what was the last song again what the fuck what the fuck? That's what it was. Yes. Okay. No, I mean, what the fuck? How could you forget mine? <laughs> <laughs> but I think Axis is probably the best I got. Okay. Axis, Axis it is. Yeah. I like that. Uh, by the way, the official Twisted With Us playlist is live. It's at three songs, 12 minutes, 23 seconds, baby. Sick. Well, our ICP one is well over 10 hours. Uh, and hopefully in the next two to three years we will have a 10 hour twisted playlist as well would be great would be great would be so let's get to scoring this bitch let's score it uh so okay we have officially figured out what we're scoring things and we officially have thrown out a category that we rarely ever use so i'll go and start with music and beats Mm -hmm. i think that this uh album is very strong musically there wasn't a lot of uh the beats that I didn't really like. There's a few that I enjoyed less than others, but there wasn't anything that I really had to say like, God, this is rough to listen to. That being said, I gave music and beats a four and a half out of five stars. It wasn't an album full of the best beats you can ever fucking have. So it's not a five. I I also, I did the same. I cannot with good conscience, give it a perfect score. 
because it's not, not perfect, but I gave it a four and a half because it's pretty fucking close. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, cool, cool. Robbie. Robbie. You know what? I'm going to I'm looking at this track list. I'm going to bite the bullet for the rest of us and go with a five. Uh, I think I don't think it's, you know, the best beats of all time. But when you've got stuff like that, die, motherfucker, die piano. I think the beat on what the fuck goes super hard. I love the somebody dissing you sample. Um, she ain't afraid for a sex song has a real creepy dark baseline. <laughs> yeah. Um, the piano's on the reality. I might, you know what? The only thing that takes it down for me literally is 85 bucks an hour. I think that maybe it gets a 4.5 just because of that. Ooh. I think it's, it's goofy, which is fun. It fits what it is, but it, I would never be like, that is a fucking good beat. So objectively, so yeah, 4.5. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I, mid mid conversation switch. Okay, it up. got it. All right, fair enough. Talk yourself uh, into a lower score. Love to hear it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Eric, I'll let you go ahead and start with lyrics and flows. So I do think that although I am overall extremely impressed by their skills and their lyrical elements, uh, maybe even more so at the time, just because they felt so so above the the bar for the type of music that I was listening to, even though it's that great, I think that there are a couple of places that feel underdeveloped hooks or lyrical elements or things like that. I'm going to go with a four because I think it's really good, but I know that they've got more in them and I know where they're headed. So four. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, with lyrics and flows for me, I actually, Eric, <laughs> This is making for a very boring section, but I went with a four as well. Um, <laughs> I think that that this is such a great release. They have some of the, their flows are insane on on this yep. album. It, it, it's undeniable. They're great. Um, ICP when they were on it, overall great. Misery, Blazy Dead, Homie, anybody we saw kind of hit a, a little feature here. Great. Nobody really like shat the bed, really. Uh, at most, people did okay at, on their verses. Yeah. Uh, but there's not like a, a song I can point to where I said, man, this song was so great and on theme, but then such and such had a verse and he didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. And he, I like that came out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Like there's just, there's not something I can point to there that would make it anything lower than a four for me. It's not perfect. It's definitely not a five. They have a lot of growing to do, and I'm excited to watch them grow. It's a four. All right. Robbie? Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to also keep it uh, boring for calculating sake and give this a solid four uh, in that it's great. I think Jamie especially is on fire here. Uh, just knowing where Paul goes in the years to come, I can't with a good conscience give it a five because he just gets so, so, so much better. Yep. Um, and he's great here, you know, everything he, it's not like he drags it down, but I think just, uh, yeah, for a four with knowledge of growth. Relistenability. I'll go and start with this one. This is my only five. This is a very, very relistenable album. Uh, the only thing that would make this not relistenable is the fact that on track 14, I just kind of shut it off after, the song ends and before Jay talks, you know, yeah, yeah. like you were not it, too fucking lazy to turn it off. Yeah. Or, <laughs> but even then, if, yeah, if I'm like driving in the car or something, or if I'm listening to it on speakers and not near the controls, I would also not mind just letting it play out. Cause it's not that bad. 
Uh, and honestly, that goes for the intro and the two interludes as well. They're they're all of it is short, produced pretty well. It's it's not out there and trying to. It's just they get in, they get out, they and they say what they need. Uh, so re-listenability for this one is is a five for me. I'm absolutely going to be re-listening to this. It's easily accessible for me to re-listen to, and I'm excited to continue listening. Absolutely, Eric. What you got? So there are three or four tracks I could skip, right? But there's nothing that I absolutely feel compelled to skip. I think this album is really crafted to be listened to beginning to end. It flows really yeah. well. You you can put this on and listen to it on repeat. I have for the past week or two. I give it a 4.5 because I, there's a lot of times when I will skip a track to get to the next one because I'm more okay. stoked on the next thing coming up. So. See, I feel like I feel like I wouldn't. You're right. There are obvious weaker tracks. And we talked about them when we talked about when we went track by track. There are obvious weaker tracks that could be skippable tracks. But I feel like none of them are bad enough to where I would want to skip them. They're just bad enough to where I'm not going to go out and say, oh, I really want to listen to Meat Cleaver. Uh, Let me let me bump that. You know, oh, I really want to. Whereas I would absolutely do that with. What the fuck with secondhand smoke, with murder, 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 with renditions of reality. Like there's a multiple songs on here I would specifically seek out to listen to. Yep. But there's nothing on here I'd skip. I feel you. Robbie? Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, I'm also going with a five out of five. I think, like I said earlier, this is probably the album I've listened to more than anything else ever. Uh, I don't know if there's ever a mood I'm in where if it started playing, I would turn it off. Like this is just to me, this is a in somewhat in constant rotation kind of thing. I think I've yeah. listened to this. I don't think I've gone a few, you know, more than a few months without listening to it in the last handful of years since I started listening to this music again. So yeah, I, I this gets a perfect five for me. All right. So, overall vibe, Eric. I'll let you take it home. All right. So I do think that there are a few elements on this album that feel slightly out of place. But as I discussed, I think those out of place elements help add character. I think that stuff is deliberate. And I think that that affects the overall flow and feel of this album in a positive way. It really paints a picture of who Twisted was at the time and even gives some indications of where they were headed and what Twisted would become. Uh, The overall vibe of this album is kind of masterfully crafted. I'd love to hear more albums that clearly had the type of thought and oversight in them that this this did uh, i went with 4.5 because so much of it works so well awesome love to hear it uh so i actually went with a four on overall vibe and not there's nothing in particular that i really was uh, can point to and say like oh this hit me hard and this is why it's going to get a four rather than a four and a half or rather than a five that's just what i feel like the vibe um, amounted up to when I was listening to this album, you're right. There's some things in here that are out of place, but they definitely feel deliberately out of place. Um, and they, when you listen to this album in the frame of mind of where twisted was at at this time, you know, starting up where ICP was at at this time. And just when you have the whole backstory of what's going on, then this album and the vibe of this album makes so much sense. I feel like if you don't have that breadth of knowledge, yeah, 
it, you, the, the vibe gets missed a yeah, little bit. And, and you know, that's a little unfair to say because people that are listening to this, especially in this day and age, if you're listening to Most Tasteless for the first time, you're more than likely, you know, you know what's been going on. You know the story. You know what's happening. Sure, sure. Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, piggyback that. I'll go to four and a half, four point five. But uh, I think there are a couple of weird elements here. Like, I think specifically 85 bucks an hour feels very out of context or not out of context, but it feels out of place if you don't have the context. Right. Yeah. Um, like if you weren't like, oh, these guys know these guys and they're putting out this album and it's their yeah. first thing. Well, like without that, I think that song sounds weird and dumb, probably. And I'm just looking over this right now. Yeah. I mean, that's that's really it, which is weird because I keep harping on that one song, which I don't dislike. But um, but I do think it takes it from it makes it a little inconsistent. It's 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 the more most inconsistent song off the whole album. I understand. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, yeah, four point five. All right. Well, with all of our scores in averaging it out, we come to four point four one seven axes out of five, which is a four and a half axe score. All right. All right. Four and a half axe mass scores. <laughs> um, now, are you going to no. do like a. <laughs> yeah, there'll be chops. It'll be a chop. OK, chop, there's gonna chop, be chop. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So is the point five like a, like the handle or part of the blade and some I would handle? probably consider the a point five would be blade no handle. Uh, I was blade. just gonna split the blade and handle both in half. Mm, okay. okay, yeah, yeah. Top not top connected, top. just separate. Correct. Yeah, yeah, okay. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, there we go. There we have it, folks. That is our first twisted with us episode. First proper twisted yeah. with us episode. Um, and the first episode of this new season. Eric, Robbie, I had a fantastic time talking with y'all today. I'd love to do it again. Oh, we will. You know what? I'm glad that you said that because you're actually shoehorned into next week. Oh, all right. I'll be there. Uh, Speaking of which, next week, we are going to be joined by Robbie once more to review Twisted's very different 1998 album, Most Tasteless, the national version. Was that um, one so 99 or 98? 99? 99. Okay, I put the was wrong it date. I put the wrong date. 99. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Eric, until next week, where can people find us and tell the, us their opinions on Most Tasteless and their opinions about our opinions about well, Most Tasteless? They can find links to many ways to contact us on our website, icpwwe.com. Yeah, we're not going to change it to Twisted w us no it's still icpwwe.com you can email us there you can uh, follow us on instagram or twitter there you can buy merch you can become a patron all the ways to contact us are right there on the website perfect absolutely well speaking of patreon Mm. which you can find on the website i'd like to shout out our patrons uh, if if you would allow me a moment to say a quick thank you to Rob, Viron, Corey, Blade, Scotty, April, William, Robbie, thank you, Robbie, hey, Austin, and Pino Awino. Oh my God, you said it! I said it there. <laughs> that was your Happy New Year's gift, there, Eric. <laughs> wow. 
Um, All right. And for anybody else that's interested that wants to help us produce the show and and pay to publish it and stuff, uh, our Patreon is only three bucks. You get some cool benefits like exclusive clips and an exclusive channel in our Discord. So there you go. Perfect. Robbie? Yeah. Thank you again for joining us. And we can't wait to talk to you again next week. But until then, uh, tell us about kind of what you got going on and and where people can find you. Oh, boy. Well, you can find me over at twisted history on instagram where like i said i'm I'm kind of rebooting that uh to go along with this podcast i'm currently trying to catch up basically posting all the house of crazy stuff again and then uh, you can also find me over on at do it for the underground on instagram where i'm uh more discussing just like the general underground scene and promoting things i just did my year-end wrap-up awards and yeah having a lot of fun over there so i would recommend checking it out if you want more music you may not know yet awesome perfect y'all thank you for listening and uh i I guess this was never expressly stated but happy new year to everybody oh happy uh, thank you all for listening we can't wait to to hop in this new season and new year with with everybody and with twisted and robbie we can't wait to talk to you once more next week i'll be here awesome for eric i'm aaron for robbie i think i'll be jeff oh i'll <laughs> be I'll whoop, whoop. we'll see you next time uh do Dang. i still say whoop whoop sure you can if you want okay whoop whoop <laughs> i won't say it okay fine Perfect. <laughs> I had to I had to hit my, my my cough button on my fucking mixer so I wouldn't blow that tape. <laughs>